This is The 20 with DJ Spider, presented by BeatSource. Welcome to The 20 Podcast, bringing you interviews with the best DJs, producers, and music industry professionals from around the globe. I'm your host, DJ Spider. This podcast is brought to you by BeatSource. BeatSource is the new digital music service for open format DJs. If you have not been on there yet, head over to BeatSource.com and check out all the amazing playlists we've been putting together for you nonstop, as well as BeatSource Link, which is now out. It um, You can DJ off the cloud. There's a lot of amazing features, so head over to BeatSource.com to check that out. And I want to thank all my listeners, everybody that's part of the community, all the beat sourcers for rocking with us. And now, more than ever, we need to come together as a community and support the Black Lives Matter movement to battle racial injustice, police brutality, and fight for equality. I've put some links in my Instagram bio, at DJ Spider, with ways that you can learn more, help, and support. So go hit that up, and let's continue the fight. It's far from over, and we got to keep pushing. Today, we have an important show, not only because we have a guest that is a dope DJ and that has done amazing things so far in his career with a lot more to come, but we also discuss issues pertaining to the Black Lives Matter movement and how these societal problems affect us in all ways, including DJing and the music industry. And as always, we get a lot of insight from our guest about building your DJ career and things that have always helped him over the years that hopefully will be educational to you guys. Our guest today is a DJ and producer and an LA native who is a graduate of Florida A&M University, which is where his passion for DJing came to fruition. He has many residencies at clubs in LA weekly, along with doing high-profile events for people like Stevie Wonder, Snoop Dogg, Issa Rae, Lena Waithe, Common, and a bunch more. He DJed outside the U.S. at places like in places like Nigeria, Ghana, Jordan, France, and more. His DJ mixes and his quick mix videos are legendary. They gener- they've generated over 5 million listens and plays by now. He's been killing it lately on Instagram Live and now on Twitch. He's moved over at least three nights a week. He's got a solid crew over there working, uh, watching him and partying with him. And the numbers are growing every week. So go, go peep him on there. And please make some noise for... DJ Artistic! Yo, what's up, Artistic? Welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm all good. How about you, Spider? How's everything going with you? You know, I'm good, uh, considering <laughs> all yeah. the crazy, crazy stuff we've been going through. We were talking before this and just saying how we're only in June and a lot of new things in our lives have happened, obviously, and we're living through some, some really crazy shit. We are, we are. It's, it's one of the craziest years, possibly the craziest year I've ever had in my life already. And it's like, it's only, we're getting to the halfway point. So it's like, what's going to happen in July, August, September? Like Exactly. I know people, I see people posting memes like of the aliens, like, all right, we're next. <laughs> you <Yeah>. ready? <laughs> I'm like, that might, that might not be a bad thing if they do come right now. And it would you not surprise me. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And and I mean, even two weeks ago, we were dealing with just pandemic and Corona and that was our whole life. And then within, you know, less than two weeks ago, so many things have been brought to the forefront, you know, with George Floyd, like all of this racial tension that's been bubbling up forever, you know, obviously since the beginning of 
of time, but the beginning of this yeah. country. And um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's all been coming to light. It feels like and a lot of stuff. I mean, this is probably the most publicity that a lot of things have, have uh, got due to the tension, but it's been like, like you said, it's all been kind of bubbling and it's been marinating and waiting to get out. And this is just kind of the final straw that just pushed it overboard to where now every single person is forced to talk about it. Even even in '92 with the riots, it wasn't like people were necessarily forced to talk about it in every single community. But because no. of social media, because it's affecting everybody. Period. I think this is one of the first times we've had in possibly in our country's history where everyone has to talk about it and at least address it. I agree. I agree. I think there's like obviously pros and cons to social media, but yeah. in a way, this is a pro of it, part of it, you know, because. I think, you know, I'm from L.A. and you're from L.A. too, right? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, being around for the L.A. riots, there was not not as much stuff was shown. And, and there was no communication like it is now and the social media yeah. connecting everyone. And, and, I mean, you know, this started like these protests were in Minnesota and now they're everywhere. They're in like little towns I've never even heard of in Oregon, stuff like yeah. that. So, <laughs> yeah. and you can tell a lot of people are getting uncomfortable you know which is good in a way and like you said a lot of people are being forced into these conversations um and you know there's a lot of people calling people out and a lot of people showing their true colors which i think is is good for right now um so yeah i mean i i was you know just thinking that yeah 2020 it's it's been a year of like new beginnings or, or a year of change but hopefully new beginnings and like people really actually seem to be understanding that we have a problem with pre police brutality and justice against black people the systemic racism that's prevalent in society like all that stuff and it's been you know a super long time coming hmm. and i feel like people's minds are getting expanded their eyes are opening and um you know, I think that just a lot of good conversations are being had just with everyone, you know, on, on everything. And I think yeah. within within our world as DJs and musicians, um, we play, we, we experience this stuff and we play a role in it, you know. So I think it's like a good opportunity for us to be able to take some time and discuss how racism and discrimination affects the music industry and the DJ industry because a lot of people like to ignore that as well, you know, or conveniently ignore it or act like it's not there or be like, I don't see color. It's all good. But it's like, yeah. yes, you do. <laughs> you know, you have, to, you have to see it. Yeah, you do you have, have to see it. You know, I think it was a pie in the sky vision for everyone to say, oh, no, everyone, you know, we're all the same. It's like, no, it's good to acknowledge the differences and then accept each other rather than trying to pretend nothing is existing right i agree i agree with that 100 percent um so have you had like personal experience with like discrimination in the nightclub or the event dj world so for me i would say it's one of those things that it's two parts to that so yeah i haven't been a dj my entire life i've been into music forever i was producing before i was djing i didn't really start djing djing until around Oh six, and okay. then I didn't, I didn't really start doing Hollywood type clubs until 2011. And with that, I've seen a lot of racism. Is this the club goer? Is this the patron? Yep. I see that sometimes it's completely blatant. In other cases, it's subliminal. It's covert. It's kind of it's made in a way where you might not see it from the surface, and people can easily ignore it. Yes. As a DJ, 
I definitely see it in a, in a, a totally different sense. It's where I can speak about that first. So the thing about DJing is that I realize that a lot of times, um, overall, you realize that it's a lot of different clubs, whether it's LA, whether it's Vegas, whether it's Miami, even New York sometimes, where um, a lot of clubs you go to are predominantly black music, especially in 2020 is where yep. like, rap basically runs the world. It's where when I first started going to clubs, 0304, you had the white clubs, you had the black clubs, you had the mixed clubs. And at the mixed clubs, you would hear rap, but it was more commercial, and you would hear, hear that mixed in with Britney Spears, mixed in with whatever, Daft Punk. Yeah. And the last five or six or seven years, it's where it's been mainly rap. Even 10 years ago, it was a lot of EDM stuff. And right. what I realized in that EDM period is that a lot of times they kind of forced DJs to play EDM because it kept black folks from wanting to be there. And as a black DJ, it was where there's a, a moment where we almost had to learn how to play EDM just to be able to, to play at these certain clubs. Yep. More recently, I feel like I've seen it where a lot of clubs play all hip hop and the crowd might not be, it might be 10% black, it might be 30% black, but a lot of times it'll be harder for the black DJs to get to those, to be the DJ of those clubs, even though it's playing all black music. And a lot of times they'll only hire the black DJ if they are connected to the artists, if they're an artist DJ or if they're a celebrity themselves is where it's just the harder trajectory to get up to that point. And it's the type of thing that because there are some black DJs who do make it to that level, there's DJs who aren't black who might feel as if, well, no, you just have to work harder. The harder you work, the, the more you get in there. But there's so much stuff you hear behind scenes and see behind scenes that, that if you're not black, you might not really notice it or you might not even hear about it as much. And there are some of, I guess, the, I'll say my ally DJs who aren't black who have told me that, like, the promoters will pick a certain DJ because of their look, because of their crowd, and not because of their skill set at all. And that, that affects DJs who aren't black as well. That, yeah. that can affect even based on gender, but overall, a lot of times it is kind of based on, okay, we, we want to hire this DJ who's not black because they're bringing in this certain type of crowd. If we are getting the black DJ, they're bringing in celebrities, they're bringing in, it could even be illegal money. It could be drug dope boy money, or it could be models, whatever it is. Yeah. But it almost feels like you have to have a certain type of appeal to get into certain clubs as far as a DJ. So beyond DJing, it's definitely blatantly obvious when it comes to just getting into clubs. Um, I would say bottle service, I've, I've joked about it, saying that bottle service is like the, the best way in the, in the world to discriminate because you can discriminate against someone without them being able to call it out all the time because 15 years ago, it was all dress code. Now a lot of clubs you go to, it's not even a dress code. People go in there in white t-shirts and tennis shoes and in some cities, they still do use dress code to discriminate, but yeah. in Hollywood specifically, and sometimes Vegas too is where a lot of times they'll say, okay, you have to buy a bottle to get in and, and they can give you whatever price they want to just to discriminate against you. I've seen them tell groups of three black guys who walk up and they say it with a smile, hey, so how many bottles are you getting? And it's like, oh, I didn't plan to get bottles. And they say, oh, well, you know, uh, that's, that's cool. Uh, if you don't, you know, there's no way to get in, you know, it's full, but you can just buy five bottles and, that, that, you know, the minimum is $2,000. That's essentially them telling you you have to pay 400 bucks a piece just to get into their club. And a lot of people fall for it. They think, okay, well, it makes sense because you have to have a table, but they've used bottle service to discriminate. And then that's, I've realized it's even different by gender. It's where black men are discriminated by, um, with that. So basically, if you have enough money to get in, you're, you're good. With black women, a lot of times, it's where I've seen texts from promoters 
some of those have gone viral from like One Oak where promoters would tell their friends or whatever, they would say no black girls or only one black girl or it has to be the cute, the, the acceptable looking black girls to get in. Wow. And with them, a lot of times, I had a friend who worked at a, at a club called True Hollywood and um, he was working the door and the, the managers and owner told him, you're letting too many black women in. And he even said, like, it doesn't matter if they're, if they actually look like models or if they look like what they consider to be ghetto in their, in their eyes, they'll keep them out however they can. And they, they'll tell them, yeah, we need more of those and point to the white girls. So it's where there's a lot of discrimination that goes on in those ways. And the sad thing about it is that a lot of celebrities don't care because there are some celebrities who come from out of town and they might prefer it being the non-black girls for whatever reason that they have. And that's what kind of keeps it going because the effect of that is that girls who come from out of town will see that black girls can come from Atlanta, New York, DC, and they see futures at this club or Drake is at this club or whoever young thug is at this club and they get there and can't get in and they feel that, okay, that's the way all Hollywood clubs are. And that's because a lot of the main celebrity ones do have that type of effect. So that's just a couple of the things I've seen just in my last 10, 15 years in the scene. That's crazy. I mean, some of that stuff you say is totally true and totally just like insane, you know, and I've seen it too. Like over time, uh, I've been playing in these bottle service clubs. I feel like mm -hmm. since the beginning of bottle service, <laughs> I mean, yeah. since about 2006, you know, um, yeah. and you know, I never, I, I didn't, I didn't want it. Like I wasn't a club person. I, I kind of like, I saw DJ AM and Mark Ronson and I was like, wow. yo, these guys are dope DJs and they're playing in clubs. So, so it sort of motiv motivated me to want to be in that world. Before that, I was more trying to be in probably like a underground hip hop kind of DJ world. I wanted to be like DJ premier or Babu or something yeah. like that, you know? Yeah. Um, Redmatic and that whole. Exactly. That, that's the kind yeah. of stuff I looked up to. I wanted to do the parties in LA, like the root down and stuff like that. And then even before that, I was going to raves and stuff like that. And I mean, it, it felt a little more open-minded, but, but I, once I got into the bottle service scene and then in LA and then started traveling was when I really started to see that kind of stuff too and hear the comments and you know as a I mean I'm Jewish but I'm a white guy like it's yeah and and I feel like sometimes like other people especially you know other white people feel like they can say stuff to me which they can't you know and they'll be like mm -hmm. oh like exactly like you're saying like oh there's there's this many this kind of people in the club oh everyone here wants to hear hip-hop Oh, yo, you're playing too much hip hop. You know, there's too many mm -hmm, black people mm -hmm. trying to get in the club now. They could hear it from outside. I'm like, yeah. how are you? How is that even something that could be said? Like, and just crazy yeah. stuff. I've been, because yeah. I travel, I've, I've DJed in almost every state at this point. And like, some of the stereotypical stuff is true. You know what I mean? Like, you'll be in, I've been in clubs in the South where they had speakers outside the club and they were like, Oh, the, you know, these kind of people are coming up. Don't play this kind of music. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, and I was kind of like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm gonna, if yeah. everyone here is partying yeah. to hip hop, this is it. I'm going to play it. I'd rather get fired for something than, you know, have to deal yeah. with this. I mean, I've gotten in crazy arguments. Like I was in San Jose with this lady and she was just the worst human being ever. And I remember she was yelling at me like, you know, play top 40, play top 40. And I was 
saying to her, top 40 is hip hop. Like, like you said that so many times that like it literally go, means the top 40 songs on Billboard. And I said, there's top yeah. 40. These are the most popular songs. Your whole crowd's going crazy. It's up to you what you're doing. You know what I mean? With who's yeah. in here or whatever. You know what I mean? Plus, shut the fuck up. You know, but she's this older white lady, you know, yelling at me. I guess she could be considered a Karen now or whatever. <laughs> but she's yelling at me. And I remember thinking, like, what do I do right now? Like, the way she was talking to me was like crazy and eventually i just looked at her and i was like yo you called me you booked me you flew me here i don't need this shit and i just pulled my uh computer off and the music stopped full club and you know when like the music goes off everyone's just like boo yeah and she just turned bright red she's like what (laughs) the fuck are you doing i'm gonna sue you you know and i was like I'm out. I'm like, I don't need this shit. And I just bounced. And I remember talking to all these people from the club later. And they're like, I can't believe you did that. She's the worst. She's infamous in this city. And I'm like, Mm. you know, like, I don't think I've always reacted how I've sometimes I've looked back and been like, damn, I should have said this or I should have done this. But I feel like I've tried to step up the plate, step up to the plate when I've been in those situations. And I do think it's important for people like me that are in that situation to be actively anti-racist or to show that it's just not cool like because i had another experience at this bottle service spot in san diego and one of these one of the biggest baller dudes buying the bottles came up to me and said some crazy shit you know that i was like yo you can't say that first of all second of all i'm gonna get you kicked out of here and he's laughing at me like what are you talking about i end up talking to the owner and security you know got him kicked out because i'm like you you can't like i don't know i just feel like it's it's going to fall upon us to be advocates and allies as well, rather than just sort of laughing it off. Cause I see a lot of that happening, you know, like, Oh yeah. Ha ha. I can't believe that dude's racist. Like when they walk away, but like you have to show them it's not cool. You know, like I was like talking to my wife about it and I'm like, we almost need to like shame these. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I'm just thinking, but like shame these people. You have to to broadcast them. You have to just kind of, Expose who they are a lot of times because exactly um, yeah because like, like, like you said about the whole um like top forty that's one thing it actually threw me off as a DJ because me too one thing about me is that um I guess one thing I, I can admit is that I don't always want to be stereotyped as just the black DJ who only knows hip hop so whenever I do corporate events whenever I do even the mixed club I always try my hardest to play more pop to play even if it's rock or EDM whatever it is. And I'm thinking that, okay, that's what the, the white crowd wants to hear. Right. 80, 80% of the time, I've, I had somebody white a couple months ago come up to me and say, stop playing this white boy music, play some rap. <laughs> and that just showed me it's like, so everybody wants to hear kind of the same music, but I'm just conditioned to have to play that because I assume that's what I'm supposed to. But the more and more I think about it, it's more so they just don't want us to play what appeals to directly to black folks. It's like, because I guess the non-black crowds can tolerate EDM and pop more than a black crowd but if it's just all the way wrapped and it's like the black crowd gets too excited or they 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 start coming too frequently so it's right or, or you're branding their club as a certain thing or or you yeah. know what whatever whatever it is but but i it's it's just not cool you know whatever it is <laughs> and yeah, like yeah, for sure. i feel like it's 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 just something that like i was saying like we almost need to shame these people the same way we shame like a pedophile or something <laughs> we're at the point where it's like Everyone's cool yeah. with shaming a pedophile, so let, we need to shame a racist the same way at this point. Really? Like it's it's not acceptable, you know. And I, I think that like 
that's the point with that we're getting to you know what i mean so mm. i mean it's interesting to hear about your experiences which i'm sure that's just the tiniest tip of the iceberg you know of what goes on yeah. out there um yeah. for everybody you know and like you said it can be everybody it could be gender and this and that but like i do think it's a huge race problem you know what i mean like within yeah. the nightclub stuff and the event world you know i get hit i do a lot of events i do a lot of stuff for tech companies hollywood all this movies and you know behind the scenes like sometimes if they don't want me to dj they'll ask me okay we need this it's this kind of party we need this kind of dj you know and and i'll offer people up and they go they don't know how to play that kind of music i'm like yes they yeah. do trust me i know this person first of all yeah. they do everything they put we trade music we put each other up on everything you know so mm. it, it's just i think it's just a matter of keep pushing forward you know and like uh telling these people what's up um what are uh well i think we kind of just discussed it but like we talked about it earlier like wh what are some obstacles for black djs that people might not be aware of or that people are like conveniently ignoring like is it that kind of stuff or is there other stuff yes it's so many different levels to it and it's where yeah like because we're we are black it's like it's rare that we actually are told directly we're not going to hire you because you're black like it's never in those words but i would yeah. say so one thing that i can definitely say is in in the in the space of promoting our own events at clubs it's a lot harder for black djs and or promoters which we have to kind of be both now right. to even just just use venues because a lot of times venues give us different deals and we've i have so many stories from my friends who throw events from from um turnout brunch to brunch two bomb to thank you la to where even some of my own events where is it so much more difficult for us to even throw something once they realize who we are, what we are, what type of crowd we have. I know uh, one event I do uh, is called Sangria Sundays, hosted by uh, a black woman named Sharice Calhoun. And she, she'd, had, she'd had it where she can show stats of all the numbers, all the official bar receipts and how much money she's made at these many venues. Right. She made an average of, it could be $40,000 a week. Yeah. Like, okay. Oh, that sounds great. Uh, you know, we want to meet with you. And as soon as they meet with their or, or if they see the pictures of the event, all of a sudden it's oh, you know, well, we actually have something booked for for every single week. And and she's like, but you all just said you don't have anything all summer. And it's like, oh, something just came in. And it's where we deal with that. We deal with we've had we've had it where a non-black promoter will tell us, okay, they 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 asked us to do a Friday night, but they said they need five security guards and no deposit. They tell the black promoter that we need 20 security guards and a $2,000 deposit. And it's where a lot of that type of stuff happens. And that makes it hard for DJs because a lot of us are trying to throw our own stuff because we know that we can't, we don't even expect to get hired by certain clubs. And a lot of us don't really care about that. We say, let's do our own thing. But right. a lot of times, especially in LA, a lot of people don't realize how hard it is for us to even throw events that, that just for ourselves because the, the venues are, are so challenging to work with. And even when we do events that are successful, it's like a one strike, a run strike rule is where I had a, we had an incident at a place called Madeira Kitchen one time where um, it was already kind of difficult to work with them. But once we did the event, the smallest incident was where uh, we had a sound man come in because they didn't have a sound system. He did mistakenly put his soundboard on top of their iPhone and trying to get the iPhone out of it. It broke the aux cable and the aux was kind of stuck inside the iPhone. So for one, they, they didn't give us the deposit back of $300 because of that, even though the iPhone was only worth 80. Right. Said, okay, how about this? We buy you a brand new iPhone. We bought him a new, I, I mean, 
I, iPod, iPod, whatever. Right. We buy them a new iPod. They say, oh, that iPod only only has eight gigabytes. The one we had was 16 gigabytes. So so we don't want that. We're still going to keep your deposit. Is there so many small microaggressions that we deal with where it's just like, and of course, somebody else from the outside might say, maybe they're just jerks. Maybe it's not because of race. But we've seen it so many different times and how they treat us and talk to us versus other folks that we know it's, we know that's what it's about. So... Right. That that's that's the crazy thing is that everybody can sort of find a way to rationalize it like, well, look, everyone deals with that. I don't get hired for stuff. I don't do but I don't think they understand the subtle nuances and the like you said microaggressions and the tiny things yeah. that go along with it and that that you're being judged before they even have met you or when they saw a picture or from the event or whatever, you know. So, yeah. yeah. That's that's crazy. I mean that that's that's super interesting and something to keep in mind and some people for people to like be aware of, you know, and yeah, not just yeah. kind of like ignore. Um and uh yeah, well I mean as far as like moving forward and stuff, um I know we need to like realize these things, come together more and just be allies and advocates of each other more. Um like I know you were mentioning like there should be support like that we kind of need support from each other, but that yeah. that black DJs need support from outside the community in order to move forward and show these venues and show these things that it's not exactly like they're they're making it out to be, right? I think I think it's a big part. I think it is definitely solidarity needed just outside yeah. of just the black DJs who are out there and of course, uh, we've all seen what Qbert said, and we've been discussing that. And the thing about that to me is, um, like, without bashing him, it, it's where I feel he is a veteran DJ who's been engulfed in the uh, black music scene for decades at this point. And for him to not be aware that All Lives Matter is basically an insult to Black Lives Matter, I can't prove that he didn't know that, but... Just looking at the tone of what he said, also looking at other tweets that that's kind of show that he's a lightweight Trump supporter, which is a whole different topic, but just even just seeing his tone and then seeing his responses to it, I mean, it's the type of thing where people who know him have personally have said, you know, he's a good guy, he's a great guy, he he's supportive, and maybe he just didn't realize what he was saying. And to me, it's, where it's hard to say. It's like, I don't know him personally, so I can't judge what his true intentions are, but... I will say it kind of does represent on the surface what we all deal with. It deals with um, the fact that so many DJs have profited off of, I mean, DJing itself is a black art form. Most DJs who are well-established came from doing some form of black music. Even EDM came from Chicago house, Detroit techno, Um, rock and roll. I mean, basically every type of music that DJs play has roots in black music in some form. And, I think for for black DJs, we just want them them to to acknowledge where it came from and to respect as as as, as people and not just the music itself. Because what I see a lot of times is just like I saw growing up in LA. LA is a very faux liberal type place. It's kind of where it's like I went to a mixed high school where if you're able to go to their high school, a Catholic school in Torrance, it's like you're the good black person. But oh, those South Central people during the '92 riots for the ghetto ones are. Crips and Bloods or Ghetto, and I'm like, that's my neighbors. Or that's that could right. be our cousins. That could be that could be us, but we just happen to be at this school. But it's right. like it's kind of the same thing in the DJ world. It's where 
they kind of put the celebrities on the pedestal. So a lot of times the celebrities would defend those type of DJs. Like you might see a celebrity saying, well, I know this DJ, whoever it is, and they didn't mean this by that. They're just, you know, they just, they just weren't aware. But truth is they look at you in a different light, the same way it is in, with all other celebrities, the same with actors, the same with um, anything else is where if you're at their level, a, t- a lot of times they respect you, but they see everybody else as the other blacks. So yes. I think it's just needed to where DJs who aren't black. Um, I think it can start from anything from just collaboration to just invitations more. I've been to a lot of DJ events where, of course, it's hard to get into certain events, period. We know that, but right. it, could be, it could be a NAM-related event. It could be just a private showcase, whatever it is, and we get there. And we know LA is, what, 5% black, but if it's 3% black DJs there, it's just like, and it's all hip-hop DJs, it's still, I can't say it should be a set number. It shouldn't be a affirmative action of, okay, we need 30% black DJs. I don't want it to be that technical, but right. overall, can we get invites to the stuff is, is the overall the overall thing, or just, you know... Um, exactly. No, it's not an affirmative action or, like, play the victim type thing, I don't think. You know what I mean? It's like... Like you guys, you know, do you do your thing no matter what, you know, but, but it's, um, exactly. I think it's a out of sight, out of mind thing where people aren't even actively trying to under see what's see the, see the surface or see what's happening out there and then are able to try to adjust it or change it or anything, you know, like, um, Hmm. I think they just see what they, what they see, you know, um, and like, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. I think that um, people need to actively, you know, go out of their way to like invite all kinds of different people, you know, what I mean? invite black people to those events. And re- like you said, realize what um, the stuff is, what our industry is built off of. You know, I posted a, like, I know it's a meme, it's stupid, but whatever. It's just that like without black music this would be my record collection and it's just an empty shelf because <laughs> it's nothing yeah. you know like every like you said every music rock and roll house music i went to raves all the stuff it's all connected and mm-hmm. and yes to speak on cubert um you know i'm not involved at all the back and forth i i've been a fan of his scratching i didn't know his views and after reading some of the stuff it was kind of disturbing to read because even when he, yeah, he's writing back to people and saying, all fucking lives matter, bitch. You know, it's like, yeah, that's the tone kind of, he used to, like, kind of a weird way to put too. it. Yeah. yeah. Like, like it's one yeah. thing, even if you didn't know, how would you know to reply to someone saying black lives matter with all fucking lives matter, bitch, you know, is yeah. kind of a weird yeah. way to put it. And then going through all of his other stuff and seeing that he's just obviously stuck in this false information whole of just insanity you know where he's saying how you know trump's great george soros funds everything was a conspiracy theory yeah where it's just like yo you have a big platform people look up to you be careful what you're putting out there and like you're indirectly hurting people whether you think you are or not and you're whether you say blame it on being aloof and stupid and not knowing it's still Um, just as bad you know I would say it's a contradiction, a contradiction to me because of the way that he is. It feels like yeah. on one side, he's a, a spacey type who is kind of a conspiracy theorist and this and that. You can tell he, he's educated enough to know like whether you agree or disagree with what he says. You can tell he researches something. So for him to know 
for him to even make the claims of right. You know, he said something about how I guess before the election last time that 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 Trump Trump is not as uh, Trump is not worse than other candidates, and even with Biden, he thinks whatever he was saying like it was basically pro Trump. But it's like you didn't know that, but then to claim you didn't know that all lives matter was a negative response. And to me, like you said, it's the tone that he said. If somebody asked him, and he just said, well, in my personal opinion, I think all lives are important. That's worded different from hashtag all fucking lives matter, bitch. That's just, <laughs> yeah. that's him. Like, he knows what he was saying to me. So I don't really give him a pass for that. And it's where, of course, he's at a level where I'm sure that even if our community cancels him, it might not have a direct effect because of who his own base is. But I mean, I'll just say that I can't support him in, unless I see a true change. Like, you can't put up three more three memes saying, without black folks, you know, you know, I wouldn't be anything. And now, now I believe you. Like, after everything right. you just said, that's not going to cancel it out. So yeah. we'll see how it goes with that. But I think, um, and even, so even beyond Qbert, I think um, it is, I feel like it probably is other DJs who may feel the same way, who haven't had the platform and who aren't as vocal as him. But it is, it is just going to take... My, my, my thing to um, non-black DJs is just about being open and just realize that we don't just have baseless complaints because I think that's always been what I've heard from a lot of folks living their own bubble. And yeah. one thing that I've realized about a lot of non-black people is that they, they it's a, a wide spectrum of what is racist and who is a racist and what a racism is. It's not just, it's not binary. It's not you're racist and you're not. It's where some folks are not necessarily as racist as the ones who make policies against a specific race, but because they're not aware of that, the systemic views and they feel that black folks are just complaining because they, they might see a couple of successful black folks and say, well, they made it, so you can too. Right. And if, they don't realize what goes behind that. So to me, is this, we need them just to realize like, what all goes behind it and that, it's been, that, that it happens in every single industry. Just because the, the music industry is based off of black faces on the front Look who runs it. The runs runs the scenes behind behind that, like behind that. The lawyers to the the record execs to the CEOs. Most of them are not black. So right. even that shows that that, that there's def, definitely a huge gap. Yeah, and I think this is one of the first times I've seen pretty much a lot of those companies begin to acknowledge that stuff and attempt yeah. to change it with whatever they're doing, whether they're. Hmm donated or whatever they're doing we'll see how yeah. long that lasts and where it goes and i know everything every kind of fight is a inch by inch thing and we're you know we're constantly pushing forward um and i'm i'm hoping that that this you know opens a lot of people's eyes i mean it's crazy how this all started with coronavirus everyone getting locked in their house i mean it's almost like this was just mm -hmm. such a perfect storm of you know, like everybody's in their house for months. No one's working. No one's making money. You know, like we're all on the yeah. internet. We're all thinking about things like this goes down. It just, all of these horrible things, I'm hoping, you know, we can look back on in the future and they will have led to good things, you know, and progress and, and people coming together and the fucked up people getting out of the picture. You know, the people that are not yeah. open to change and that are not, supportive to they're showing their true colors right now you know um yeah, i've seen a lot of different people you know whether they're just random people on the internet or people we look up to in entertainment sports djing music all that stuff yeah. so i think um i'm hoping that some people you know with the cancel culture i'm i'm all for it but i i feel like maybe they could get some type of education and if they're not like 
open. It depends what they said, but if they're not open to that, then they're out. But it's like because I mean, cancel to, culture. Yeah, I mean, cancel culture to me. I have mixed feelings about it. Like, right, I'm it's not tough. Just to cancel every single celebrity for every single negative thing they've said because right. we are we are in the social media era and a lot of folks don't have training a lot of folks just are actually ignorant while some are actually more more malicious in what they say but either way i agree that some folks just do need to be enlightened and it's hard to tell because every single time they say something ignorant and it, and it hasn't just been the non-black ones it's been some of the black ones too they've like Trina said some stuff that was ignorant and what'd she say? I saw everyone I posting memes, but I didn't, yeah. I didn't I won't even, I won't even say it was ignorant. I would say she knew what she was saying. She was basically mad because during the riots uh, this weekend, one of her friends had, had their store destroyed in Miami, which is understandable. You, you're frustrated, but yeah, she was, she was calling everybody animals for doing it saying those animals and this and that. And, and she, she, she was a whole black on black crime thing, which is already, baseless to me and right. everything she said for her to be who she is and to have the platform she has like and she's the type if she apologizes the next day she doesn't mean that because that's right. you're 38 years old and you however old she is that's the way she's been thinking forever obviously it's yeah it's in her and a lot of celebrities live in, live in the bubble so they they do see themselves as above everyone else whether they're black or white they kind of feel like they're in a bubble and they're above the rest of the the world so right there i do think I'll, I'll give some artists and some folks a chance to correct their views and to actually educate themselves, but I'm not just going to take every single apology and say, okay, they apologize. They're good now. I I'm with you. And like, I think that, that with, yeah, the whole looting and all that shit, like obviously that, I don't know. I have so many viewpoints on that, but I just feel yeah. like in the, at the end of the day, it's collateral damage to what is going on. When we go fight war, nothing is right. But like when we go fight wars and then innocent people die overseas and they're like, oh, it's collateral damage. It's much worse than Exactly. And they're not tripping on that. But for this, they're going crazy over it. It's like, yo, this yeah. is part of it. Also, everyone's protesting and the protests are huge. But there's a possibility that some of these conversations or some of the things would not have been taken so seriously without some of without the looting and damage. Yeah. Because silent protest and peaceful protests. Exactly. People who so, protest know the, the one person who's writing the mandatory news article to make it look like they're trying to make change. They know but peaceful protests are always unheard. So it's like a lot of times, even if, even if looting and that stuff is unrelated and a lot of looting was not connected. I'm sure some of those folks don't even, know who george floyd is and don't even care and they're just trying to get something for free but of course just like anywhere people. like in yeah. any group of people there's a this group of people that are down to do this stuff this people down to do this stuff i mean it's just like anything you know so uh, you could tell yeah. there's a lot of kids that were like yo i'm about to just get some shoes <laughs> that i wanted yeah. or or whatever yeah. but in in reality they're playing their part within all of this and yes no one wants their stuff taken or the store gone or any of that stuff and it's not right but yeah. I don't know. Like, if you take a step back and you look at this, it might that might have pushed some things forward to get to this point that we need to be at. So, um, I don't know. I don't think there's a right or wrong. And and even my my sister, you know, she has a bunch of restaurants. She had a pizza place that got same thing. All the windows broke and wow. looted. And like, yeah. I mean, I hit her. I'm like, how you doing? She's like, yo, I'm just. It's fine. This is part of the deal, you know. And and I'm happy that. Mm. we're safe you know no, nobody got hurt so nobody we're got good. Hurt. Yeah, we can fix windows i mean it, it's a it's like this is part of the this is part of the the growing process through all of this so yeah. um yeah but everybody's in like you said everyone's in their own bubble and they all feel 
very affected, very attacked by everything. I think that's the whole all lives matter thing, which is the yeah. most stupidest thing in the world. And everyone's <laughs> trying to explain it like, yo, no one's saying all lives don't matter, you know. Yeah. But for some reason, Black Lives Matter is the most uh antagonistic attacking thing to them you know and it's the same thing all that like everything's they're getting attacked but they can't see that anyone else is getting attacked and and i think same in the music world people live in the world i got my deal or i got my gig or i got my spot and like i worked hard to get here you know they just need to do this and that but there is a lot of other elements and i've always tried to help people you know in the i know how hard it is i know i spent 10 years djing and going like, uh, like, yo, nobody wants to fuck with me. Like, I've been trying to get these kind of gigs. So any yeah. anybody that needs help, I try to take either on social media just to give them advice, to talk to them. Even through this podcast, I try to spread any education I can or or anyone that wants to come with me to my gig or if they need an opening gig or want to come or, or I could recommend them or whatever. Like, I just feel like it's constantly we should be helping each other and bringing each other up, you know. That's what it should um, be. No, I agree. I agree with that. But yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully it leads to all that. I mean, um, I don't know. You, you got any other uh, points you want to discuss, like how this affects the music world or DJ world? Or I mean, uh, I think you said a lot of a lot yeah. of the main things that that um that I agree with, and yeah. that's really what it is. I think um, allyship j- just comes in different forms. I know. Um, even small stuff. I know um, someone I was talking to online told me that um, I'll say the club name now because I used to DJ there all the time, and they did hire black DJs and they had black nights, which I always thought that okay, it's a great place to be at uh, Zanzibar in Santa Monica. Oh yeah, I used to love DJing there. It was always diverse and security. Everybody was was good folks. But then somebody who worked social media for for them told me that whoever it was, I can't say if it was the owner or manager, right. they told them on Instagram, do not post like, or try not to post pictures of black people. And then <laughs> I saw the page and I said, wow, for it to be three different nights that are at least half or predominantly black, all the pictures are all white. And then, then it, it reminded me a lot of times when people come from out of town, they always ask me, all right, where should I go? And wow. um, especially a couple years ago, five, six years ago, it wasn't as many like black type of events. So most of the main places were like the Hollywood clubs. It would be the Supper club type places. It would be the Roxbury, Greystone, all those places that they hear hear about in rap songs, and they, right. hear, they hear about it in rap songs. They see pictures. Uh, they might see pictures from Drake or whoever it is tagging themselves there, and they hear people say they went. But then I would tell somebody to go there, and they would say the same thing. They went to the website or Instagram, and all the pictures on there are all white folks. So is it really a black club? And I'm like, it shows how even even when they do accept our money up front, it's like they still don't want the world to think that it's. That, that, that's who's in the club so i think right. allyship even comes in that form is where it's tough because i understand folks have jobs so if you're hired to do a social marketing campaign and they tell you that it might be hard to turn it down but to me that's what we need is people to stand up like you'll get you'll get hired somewhere else especially if you're real like i feel exactly like everybody that. does speak who speaks out against injustice they end up being okay they might get hurt they might get blackballed in certain segments some worse than others, but it's still needed. It's still where we need right. those types to get called out. Like put those text messages on on blast, put them on social media, and show exactly what was said. Yeah, and when it comes down to it, 
Do you really want to work with those people long term? What relationship are you building with this person that just told you to do that? Is that really a long term relationship you want with anybody in the music industry? You're just trying to make your like couple hundred bucks right there. But in reality, you're hurting people and yourself in the future. So, yeah, that's crazy. I used to play at Zanzibar, too, like way back in the day. Me and Steve Wonder would do... uh, four turntable like vi- that was vinyl days we would do four wow, turntable wow. vinyl sets uh with uh these guys hall and mason used to have a night there every week and um mm-hmm. but yeah it was all hip-hop we would play hip- mainly it's always, yeah it's always hip- hip-hop every night it was always yeah. a good vibe and yeah it was always pretty diverse i mean it was it's santa monica so it every night is different but it was always right. we we at least felt welcome there unlike a lot of hollywood places yeah hollywood places it definitely gets real bad but i guess santa yeah. monica same thing it's that it's that uh, smile in your face, talk behind your back type thing, you know? And I think that's really prevalent in LA. I'm sure that's everywhere. You know, I think places like in the South, at least, I guess at least they say shit right to your face or like in New York, but... It's more covert, yeah. I mean, because I, I went to college in, in Florida. So I okay. lived in the South for six years and every city has their own form of racism. It's like, just like we all have our own slang. It's the same way, like LA is the home of just that good covert, that subliminal microaggression where... Yeah. You just don't realize it's there, but it's definitely there. And a lot of folks, even some black folks I know who grew up here, who if you don't grow up in a black neighborhood or you go to certain schools and you have friends who are diverse, you might not realize it. You might. I've heard some of my friends even say, like, they just don't want it to be ghetto. They just don't want it to turn hood. And it's like, you talking about yourself because if they ain't know you, they would think you were hood. So it's, right. you realize that in the South, usually it is a lot, a lot more blatant, like, I've seen some hilarious dress codes in the South where literally literally everything is anti-black. No do-rags, no, no large um, gaudy jewelry, or however they word it, or no joiners. Yeah. I've even seen that LA, too. I mean, even LA, like it's one club like that that me and my friends have, have thrown events at, and they basically, uh, I don't have to say a name because all my friends know what I'm talking about. <laughs> he says, your shoes can't be too colorful. Wow. So it's like, it's certain people who get into the club who have on airwalks or whatever it is. If it's two colors or one color, it's okay. But if your Jordans come in and they're multicolored, you can't get in. Or if they're too shiny, like we've really had that many. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's the most coded shit ever. Yeah. Yeah. That's straight so, bullshit. Yeah. So overall, I, I just think it's about, like I said, it's about that allyship. And I, I just wonder how much difference going to be when we do get back to, back to the club. Cause like you said, it's interesting that this storm is happening during the pandemic when stuff is closed. So have the clubs we DJ that won't even reopen. If if it takes a year for them to reopen, they might lose their lease or right. they might go under anyway. But it is going to be an interesting shift when stuff comes back. Right. And everything moves so fast in the, in the news cycle in the world that like yeah. in six months, people might just act like this never. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen after this. But, you know, you could yeah. see those club yeah. people doing that like. Okay, business as usual. Here we go. Yeah, you know? no, that's true. So, and you see, I mean, some spots are coming back. L.A., I think, and New York's going to take a while. But I saw people yeah. right. I mean, tonight, right before we started recording, I saw some people I know. Like, hey, I'm DJing in Vegas tonight. I'm like, damn, that hey, wow, is crazy. Wow. Yeah, I saw someone playing tonight at STK in Cosmopolitan. Mm-hmm. Cosmopolitan reopened, I think, at 10 a.m. today, uh, Thursday. It's crazy. I don't know what to think about all that. Like, I saw pictures. People were gambling. They had those things, you know, the barriers and, oh, my God. It's all about money. That's all it's about. Yeah. That's all it is. it's about is about that money. And I don't right. know if the theories are true as far as 
why the mayor was so anxious to reopen those clubs. I don't know if it's really the, the mafia being on her head, whatever they've said. I don't know, but either way, I mean... I wonder. I mean, yeah, yeah I feel like we are definitely living in the conspiracy theory age yeah. of just pure <laughs> insanity. The amount of DJs I've seen just posting things that are so nonsensical <laughs> that I'm like, I don't even know. But then at the yeah. same time, I never thought Donald Trump would be president, we would have a pandemic, any of this stuff. So everything, I believe anything at this point. <laughs> like, it's if they, true. Like, if the aliens come, like, yeah. We're, we're, we're 30 and 40 years old with curfews. So. Yeah, with a curfew. Like, I, exactly. Like, you, if you want to go walk around in Santa Monica or Beverly Hills and it's 1.15 p.m., you can't. Like, you know, yeah. That's crazy. It's never been that way ever. So. No, never, never, yeah. ever. You know, and then every night I'm like, oh, it's six. Oh, we can't go out. Oh, shit. I can't go out. To, it's, it's six o'clock. It's food, light out. Right? You forgot to go get groceries. So you have to eat whatever's frozen in your refrigerator. And right. It's, it's, it's been it's a whole new time. Yeah. But I mean, thankfully, everybody's on their fight right now and social media and we're all pushing. So hopefully it, you know, it goes. Yeah. Is there any other... Um, I guess while we're talking about supporting and allies and all that, any other DJs we should know about, like that you're homies with or whatever that yeah. that you want to shout out? There's um, so many. I'm going to miss somebody and they're going to get mad at me. But <laughs> all right. Well. I mean, <laughs> everybody from Quest Coast, Mike Smooth, Kenway, Love G, Demi, uh, Aisha, Irene. Um, I would say Mosky, Damu, um, Ron C, um, Bova. DJ Prince, uh, Bang Bang. There's so many DJs who I work with all the time. Right. And yeah, I follow some of those, L but not L all double, of them. L-double-E. Yeah, it's, it's a whole community of us that are, that are doing our thing in different different directions, different crowds. Benjamin Walker. Yeah. Uh, DJ B-A-D, of course. Bat. Always yeah, looking sure. out. Yeah. So it's... It's so many. I've, I've seen his name on the marquees all the you know for yeah. years. <laughs> He's been big in Hollywood for a while. He he's one of the coolest guys ever. Who's who's not a Hollywood type, right? Looking out, yeah. Or tour mark the spot. Like it's it's so many who 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 I feel like, it, it, like we're all for the most part from what I've seen get along. Like I know in New York and other places, it's so many egos and everybody clashes. But I feel like L.A. is just a different type of connection. We all get along. We all kind of. Of course there's going to be tension here and there it's never going to be perfect but overall yeah. it's like i think the good thing is that we have our own lanes and some of us who like doing the events some of us like doing the hollywood club some of us like doing bars and lounges some of us like doing you know um straight house parties backyard parties so yeah. it's behan yeah dj behan i'm always rocking with like, oh yeah behan's a man yeah yeah so Dope. Well, I mean, exactly. That's like a big list right there. Like I know half those people, but some I don't. Yeah. And like, we just need to be more active. Like I'm gonna go through, follow them. And then we just got to all try to connect and do more events together and different stuff. And, and I've, but, yeah. but like you said, I've seen a lot of those people start to get in to the events, the event world, but like I've been doing it for a while and I'll get questioned on some of those people. Oh, do, can they play this kind mm -hmm. of music? Do they know this? I'm like, yes. Like, they're a human. <laughs> they know everything. You know, like you think only I know how to do this. You know what I mean? Like I can play. I tr I try. You know, I'm pretty good at playing all kinds of music. And like, but sometimes people just really get pigeonholed into their one thing. You know, and I'm like, nah. I'm I'm trying to tell you, like, trying to vouch for all kinds of DJs. Yeah, I mean, it's that's the thing about DJing is it's like almost like being an actor. Like if you look at. Yeah. Alfonso Ribeiro, you're going to call him Carlton every time you see him. Right. So the same way with DJs, it's like 
people typecast you just based off the one time they see you or hear you or even based off just your website, just how you look on there. So I know is where I've changed my image the last seven, eight years. I started off being more of the super, super clean cut professional kind of black tie-ish, low cut. And now I'm a little bit more experimental, a little bit more free, free flowing, but even still it's where like if if I was a type to, it's as simple as your main, just your website, the polish of your website. People will judge you off that or yeah. just how you look at the at the event. It's like, it's so many different ways. And it's it's just about, people have to be open and realize that we all do have our own specialties and preferences. But for the most part, like you can't even judge DJs off what you hear them play at the club either. Because I feel like a lot of times what you hear at the club is what we think the crowd wants to hear. Like what, what I've been seeing on these DJ DJ lives online is that everybody has their own style and everybody has their own preferences and most of us aren't playing the stuff we play in the club every night I it's know. some of these songs that i haven't heard in months and months because they don't translate when you're listening to it on your phone or in your house so that's so true uh, yeah. yeah no exactly i would hate sometimes when big djs or like z trip or someone would come see me dj and i'm like yeah. nah this isn't what i usually do you know? like, yeah <laughs> yeah um but i think th- being inside and being able to do these live streams has opened my mind has you know i've been able to hear other djs which i never get to do and open my mind to like damn people are really really more open musically than than i realized and i hopefully this translates back into the club but you know how it is hard when you're in person and people come up to you oh this that you know uh, we want to hear this, all these people, but I'm, you know, hopefully this opened people's mind musically a little bit. Um, and I think it's dope that even within these times, like as DJs, we've been able to speak to whatever's happening. So within the coronavirus, we're playing songs that make people feel a certain way. I've seen people tailoring their sets, um, towards that and raising money for that. And then now within all the protests, like just your live stream last night, which I want to get into all your live stream stuff, some more, your live stream last night on Twitch, you know, you had, uh, West Coast, what is it? West Coast Wednesdays. Yep. yep. And West it's Side like, yeah. oh, sorry. Uh, West Side Wednesdays. Same, same thing. Same concept. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, you were playing all songs, you know, West Coast songs that speak to injustice, police brutality, and, and just stuff that black people go through, right? And just yeah. all that. And like, you were playing the videos and it was dope, you know, because I see a lot of people like, I don't want to do music right now. I'm not doing this. And like, tuning into yours was like super tight and it was it's inspirational it almost like <laughs> pumps you up because you're like yo hell i forgot about this song or i've never seen that video oh you know and then it's just like it's just nice for us to be able to utilize our skill set within all this you know and, and i've seen that with everything like there's not everyone is going to be able to come up with the plan against police brutality. So like everyone should do yeah. what they're good at. Play your part, that. whatever you, whatever parts you can play. Like even, uh, also shout out DJ head, like DJ head is the type that, Oh yeah. Works with the DJ, but he was in the news talking about just about the way he feels and, and not defending the looters in that direction. But yeah, he was just speaking about, about how they feel. And it's where he, he has that platform and he, and he can speak about it out loud, but I'm the type that I might not be out, out there at the protest, but if I can protest through music, or if I can make a full mix, whatever it is, like whatever you can do, like just play your part. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah. We just got to all, we just, as long as you're not ignoring it, you know, and just yeah. letting yeah. things go by, you know, then I think you get, yeah. And, and as DJs, I feel like it's cool to have, be able, you know, be able to do that. Um, yeah. 
So like, you know, moving on, I mean, just talking wise, obviously not moving on from that, but like, um, to talk more about like your career and, and how you got to where you are. Um, I know, like you said, you, you're a drummer by trade, right? So my, my uh, dad's a drummer. So I oh, okay. yeah, he was a uh, jazz drummer and he's a composer, producer Dope. in the jazz world. And yeah, so with me, I, I learned drums a little bit as a kid from him. I just never got deeply into it. And then I took piano lessons for a while as a kid getting back into that now but i was just a producer mainly from got it okay 95 ish up to like 06 07 it was just all about me producing making beats and then i kind of transitioned into djing which is backwards for most folks <laughs> no nah, yeah. I, I was similar kind of thing like i was make i was djing but i had an mpc and i was like making mm -hmm. beats non-stop like i said i wanted to be like a dj premiere you know i wanted to make a beat yeah. and then do a scratch chorus That's and, on top of it yeah um Someone told me your cousin is MERS. Is that yeah. true? Yeah. So that was the kind of world like I was super into. Okay. You know, I, I feel like my group, we opened up for Living Legends a few times. And, you know, oh. that was like my kind of world. So like mm. same kind of thing. I wanted to be a producer. And then, but as my DJ stuff started taking off, I was like, yo, I can make like money like th tonight off this. You know, like it's like fast and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a whole different world. It, yeah. Yeah. So what, um, so you were producing from about 95 to 2006, 2007, yeah. and then um, you got into DJing. What was, were you DJing at all before that? Or how did you even make the transition into DJing? It was basically um, high school. I was, I was all the way, um, all the way producing, but I would just like make the mix CDs for house parties. So if my friends had a house party, I would be the one who, was playing music there if we went out of town i would have the music playing and then i remember i don't know why it stands out but one time back in 2000 i was on a trip in high school it was a group i was in it was basically like a west coast kind of um a thing that we went to um it's called jack and jill it's nationwide okay. jack and jill is nationwide actually but we had a west coast convention that was in seattle and the dj there he was an older guy but he just didn't really know what we wanted to hear and i, I remember just being the one telling him every song to play and i had never dj ever but it was just me knowing these are the songs I think are going to work. And I don't know how he had them all. I, I know he had CDs. He didn't have turntables, but he had everything on CDs. And wow. I remember going through his booklets. He had each song. Maybe his nephew gave it to him, but I was like, yeah, this song, yeah, play this song. Not this one, play this one. And it worked for him. And I remember doing that. And it was where I still didn't really have a desire to be a full-time DJ because initially I was, I mean, I still have a little bit of elitism going on in my head, but I used to be the type of elitist who, was like, I don't like most radio stuff. I don't like commercial music as much. I, right, I like same. what I like. And yeah. I like certain radio stuff like growing up, but overall it's like, I like this album cut way more. I like this type of stuff way more. So yeah. I never wanted to have to play music that I didn't really enjoy as much. So that's what took so long to get into it. But around 05, 06, I was in college and we would just have house parties in Florida and being from LA, us and the Bay folks, we would just get together and have house parties and barbecues where it was like, all right, well, you, you got all the West Coast music, just, you know, play that. And I wasn't even calling myself a DJ. I was playing off the Windows Media playlist. <laughs> nice. And then from that, everybody else from other places would come in. And, like, the other girls from New York or from D.C. and Tampa Bay would come. And, all right, can you play this Kaya song? Or can you play this uh, Jim Jones song? Can you play this Lil Boozy and Webby song? And at first, I was like, I'm not even getting paid. Like, I don't want to play what I don't like. But it was like, all right. right, just to keep the girls here, I guess I'll play these songs. And... It went from that to where they would ask me if I would do their small house party and I might charge them 20 bucks for five hours, which was 
basically minimum wage in Florida at the time after taxes. Yeah. So right. I didn't mind. So that's really where the transition came. And then the more and more I did that, I felt like, all right, let me just give it a gamble. And I took all my internship money and spent that on equipment back in 07. And I said, if it doesn't work out, I'll just sell the equipment. If I can at least get half the money back, you know, there's no loss. But I made all that money back within about, it took about two months. Then the next semester, I made a whole lot more. And it was like, all right, let me, let me stick with it. That's dope. And that was in Florida where you got the equipment. Yeah. I was at uh, Florida A&M uh, College out there. Dope. Yeah. Yeah, it's always the girls <laughs> that pull you into it. That's basically, I mean, and it was where I was never even doing it just to like, I realized a lot of DJs even back then would do it solely for the attention. It was more so me just like trying to keep them from leaving because I would be playing some of the West Coast stuff and the girls who weren't from the West. You know, folks don't really love West Coast music outside of LA and the Bay yeah. like we do. The West right. Coast period. And then it was where I, I wouldn't care. I, I had the ego. I was like, well, hey, our party, we bought the alcohol. Like, who cares? But then when all my boys would come to me like, hey, the girls are leaving. It's like, all right, I'm only playing it for y'all. So that's, that's <laughs> and that. Here. And that right there is a DJ. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. It was like, let me just do. The what girls the are leaving. You're like, all right. Like, it's yeah. that same thing. I remember being in college and I was only buying you know, underground hip hop records and jungle drum and bass mm -hmm. records and, you know, yeah. anything I liked, you know, Gangstar, yeah. this, that. And, uh, and then I got asked to DJ at 80s party and I'm like, I don't even yeah. have one 80s record, you know, and I had to go and Ooh. spend whatever money I had on just as much as I could afford for like a few, enough records to be able to play an 80s set. And I'm like, yeah. this sucks. I don't even like this. And <laughs> it ended up being all girls they're all dancing you know they're going crazy to it and it was the same thing i was like yeah. okay you're here to make like, the girls dance that right. actually makes yeah. it fun <laughs> yeah so. like that's that's the shift for me it became about not enjoying every song as if you love it but enjoying the energy that it brings and yeah that led to me like i can say i do like most of the stuff i play at this point it's not where i play stuff i don't like like whenever it's a new song that I absolutely hate. I'm not gonna play it, but yep. as long as I can tolerate it, like most of the, the the regular club stuff, it's like I might not love it. I'm not passionate about a lot of the songs I play, but I enjoy the energy that it brings. But the the, the balance and the trick for me is, as long as I play enough songs that I do actually like in between that, just to make me happy. And the thing is, you'll realize that even some of those songs, the crowd will like, and they'll ask you what those are. Then it's like, all right, cool. Like we're finding common ground. Yeah, I love that. I love when you can actually yeah. turn on the crowd to like a new song, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's the cool thing with doing events sometimes is that it's not so like with the club where you have to stick to the radio type format, you know, like sometimes yeah. they'll be a little more open to it. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's tricky because even, even being live, I have to remember I'm not at the club and I don't have to play these certain songs because it, it, it almost becomes a formula every night. I know at this time I'm going to play this song. At this time I'm going to play these yep. types of songs. And a lot of times live, it's where I'll just play one random song that's nothing like that. And the crowd will be like, but the comments, not the crowd, but yeah, the comments yeah. will be like, what's that? Play some more stuff like that. And next, next thing you know, I'm 30 minutes in a whole different direction. And the, the numbers go higher and higher. And it's like, oh, this is not the club. Like I can actually have a little bit more variety. So that does uh -huh. happen. But it's, it's because I think we are just so used to the same ingredients. Like if you're a chef, you're used to adding the same salt and pepper to every single dish. And then you realize that maybe this lime might work better on this one or this, this type of paprika might work better. Like it's the same way with DJing. You have to realize sometimes that you can deviate just knowing what your crowd is. 
No, it's so true. And even like with the cooking analogy, like I have mixes that I've been doing that work really good and they've always worked. But like, just like food, I'll get sick of it after a while. You know, I'm like, this doesn't even taste good anymore. I used to love this. So I'm like, I need to like redo it or I could take the same ingredients, but flip it in a new way. And all of a sudden it gives me like a new rush of energy where I'm like, oh, that's dope. That's mixing together in a crazy way. Or, you know, just two songs that, that, or like, even I saw you on Twitter earlier, uh, you mixed the Wham song with the Prince song. Yeah. Like it was like, sometimes I feel like songs are like, either someone copied someone or they were like made to like a married couple like that were made to meet up you know like yeah. they went so perfect together they like sings right after the bass line and the and yeah, it's, so key many, and, it's crazy when you find those two and it is i think it's a mixture like you said i think it's certain songs you can tell like especially certain older songs like if you listen to like uh what's the ones like odyssey inside out versus like slave watching you like to me those had to be you heard this one, you made this one. And the same yeah. with like Rick James definitely heard um Kenny Burke keep rising to the top when you made Mary Jane Girls all night long. Like he, oh, yeah. he took that bass line and modified it a little bit. So it's where those are obvious, but it's certain songs like I think my most famous my famous most famous two mashups are one which it could be a slight influence, but I don't think so. Like the James Brown Do It to Death, the um uh, Funky Good Time. I matched that I matched that beat up with the uh, lyrics or the acapella from uh, Michael Jackson, um, The Way You Make Me Feel. And it's oh. basically, it's where they, they're totally different eras, but because it has that same shuffle 4-4 four, four beat, yeah, it's in the same key, I put them together and it's like, these actually are perfect. And then That's the same crazy. with like LMA, Boot Up, and Brandy, I Want to Be Down. I put those together. I changed Brandy's key by maybe one key up. And then... Just the chord changes in LMA's song go perfectly with her harmonies. And it's like, certain songs are just meant to be together like That's that. That's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. they're perfect. I love that when you get that and you're like, oh, like I'll be alone in my house yeah. late at night. Like, yeah. so hyped. Like, I got to send this to somebody. Like, yeah. It, ha- it happens. Like, even when magic. the timing works too, and you're like, wait, the chorus just hit on the same part. Oh shit, they're going. Yeah. And I know it's music and people follow formulas, but that's the best feeling as a DJ. It really is. A, it's one of the most fulfilling things because it gives you a whole different type of thing to try out. And the crowd, when they hear it, they're just like, how do you even come up with that? So Yeah, I know. I love being able to play like mashup or blend type things that the crowd almost can't even tell what's happening. Like they're like, wait, is this? Yeah. Oh, they're confused. Shit. Yeah. yeah. They're like, hold up, like that's a different beat. Like, wait a minute, like, like why do I like it? Like, what's what's going right. on? Right, it could go yeah. either way, or you may, or sometimes people make them like out of key or not right, and then you're like, no, this is not. Oh. You just ruined that song. <laughs> Nothing worse than the bad blend ever. Bad blends are just like uh, just play the regular song. Yeah, just play yeah. the regular song. Don't play a yeah. weird remix or a weird like twerk drop or whatever you got <laughs> for no reason. Yeah. Not every song needs to be redrummed with a weird yeah, synth you're line right. after the chorus, you know. <laughs> I try to use those sometimes when I'm DJing and inst- I'll, I'll mix them together. But then it, before it ever hits the drop, I'll use that to then drop it to like the first verse of another song. So instead of like mm-hmm. the surprise of a drop for the the crowd, I'll hit them with the words, you know, from the other song. And then they're immediately going into it. I feel like that's a good way to like. That's dope. Yeah, that's, that's a dope way to do it. Yeah, Because some re-drums are just corny to me. No. Oh, yeah. I'm almost all re-drums are corny <laughs> to me. They've gotten better over time because I feel like the producers have gotten better at matching the drums and the technology, but yeah, yeah. it just sounds, it, it's not right. They can, it's just, it's not right. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not. No. 
Um, so I know we we're talking about your edits and mashups. Um, and another thing that you're really well known for that I think is super dope are these really amazing quick mix videos that you've put up on YouTube and everywhere. Uh, I think like the first one I saw was you took all the hits from 2017 or yeah. have you were, were and then you mix them all together but like crazy fast and like you yeah. use you're also one of the first people i've seen to use uh the reverb i don't know if this is mm -hmm. just so dj nerdy but you use the <laughs> reverb uh to, to go between them instead of the echo and it just like it's super subtle but it's dope and it makes it that smooth thing where you can you'll like reverb it out and then wait a second and then hit the snare on the thing. And like, instead of just trying to every time like echo it and, echo, and echo it's so time. clumsy with the echo, I feel like, like, and I hadn't, most everyone does that, but the way you do it is just, you know, first of all, it's crazy how fast you're doing it. They're like, I don't know if I was going to ask you like how, if yeah. you put them in key or what, but like, how do you go about um, coming up with that? It's crazy. Cause that, that whole style has just evolved so much from, like the root of that whole style is did you ever hear dj what was his name was it jack war skills he had a mix called the odyssey the hip-hop odyssey maybe in 2006 or seven uh jack war skills sounds familiar i don't I think know that's his name oh, let me look it up real quick yeah I look it up wrong, yeah right? i mean there's i know like dj riz uh live from brooklyn he has one from like that's an older one that he did on vinyl and it's crazy. Like it's all like these old like hip hop samples and stuff. And he, he mixes it like similar kind of thing and he's doing it on record, but I haven't heard uh, yeah. that many other people doing it. Yeah. It, it was a uh, Jaguar skills. Yeah. Okay. So his, he had, I think 800 songs from like 1979 to 06 and he's going super, super fast. And it's right when Serato was created. So you can tell he probably, he was one of the first ones to try it with that. And yeah, me being young when it came out, I was me being an LA, LA native was just like this is cool, but it's 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 not enough West Coast on it. So I made a West Coast mix called the Timeline back in 2013. Oh, okay. That's I was going super fast. Usually, I mean, on there I was going four bars, sometimes one or two bars, but basically I went from that and then into when it came to like uh, what was it called? Vine was only a six second thing, and oh, then, yeah. so on there I would be like. Could I even get two or three songs in? I couldn't, so I never even tried it. But then Instagram made it so they had 15-second video clips. So right. that's for promo. I, I was just like, let me just try getting six or seven songs within that 15 seconds. And I was like, it took a couple tries, but that style just evolved to where I was able to, to, to say, okay, let me uh, – I don't do that many edits of the songs, but sometimes I will make all the songs the exact speed. Maybe not all, but like three, three songs I might make the same speeds where if I'm moving super fast, I don't have to change the pitch too, but right. as a challenge, I do like to kind of make it where I am actually changing the pitch for each one. So if you look at me, I'm, I'm changing the pitch for 80% of the songs. And then the reverb to me just to make, just makes it cleaner because when you're going that fast, it's like, if I'm not uh, doing a reverb or echo, I might just try to fade one song out real quick, but it is quick cuts can be a little bit choppy too. So it's like, let me right. just add something to kind of fill in that that little time period, but it's where, yeah, I just kept on trying those, and every once in a while, I'll change the key between the songs to make a match, but it's just about, it's one of those things that I think most people do respect the skill behind it. There's some DJs who I have seen criticized saying he's only playing songs, or he's just playing hot songs, or he's he's not doing any super advanced scratching, he's just playing songs fast, 
And I'm like, that's cool. Do the same thing. Like, take the songs <laughs> and make them flow within a one and a half minute. Because it's like the yeah. wordplay alone, it's like you have to pick the, the perfect like words. And certain certain quick mixes that I make, if you listen close, you can tell I'm almost telling the story. Like, I have one I did for 1994. And like the, like the first five or six songs are R&B. And it's where each one is almost talking to each other. It's almost like, can we talk? Because I want to be down. It's like each That's one is saying so to, to each other. So it's where even though it might be a two-minute video, I spent four or five hours on one video sometimes. Right. No, I could tell. I mean, it's crazy. It's super dope. Like Because exactly, you're not just going, here, start, four bar, two bar. Some of them, you're not even doing like a bar, I feel like. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> it's just a half really bar real quick. Just throw it in. Play like, quick. yeah, Cardi B saying four words and then you hit the snare yeah. of the next one and then you stop and then yeah. boom 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 i was like damn but it's really thought out and it does it is one of those things where maybe some djs will feel like it's easier yeah. to be done than it really is and also within anything there's going to be those types of always critics i mean because one, yeah. one guy said something um some guy who doesn't even dj he's from louisiana for one he was saying something like like you're not even scratching like all the djs i know we, we scratch out here i'm like first of all if you want to be real I, I live in the south West Coast, these days scratch way more yeah. than most in the South. Shout out to my boy Wally Sparks and Red Soda, and a lot of them do scratch. Yeah. He's on Venom, but as a whole, West Coast, these days are, are known. New York and Philly, of course, the most, but I was like, let's not make it regional. But even beyond that, I'm like, that's not the point of this video. I have a scratch video. I showed them a scratch video. Oh, you are dope. I'm like, I'm not going, I don't have to showcase every skill I have in every video. Like, a right. dunk contest is a dunk contest. Like, a three-point contest is a three-point contest. You specialize. Exactly. You, you're doing what you do for that one aim. I might incorporate some fancy scratches in it, but I'm moving fast just to show songs right. off. I'm not really, you know, so that's all it's about. But like you said, it's critics for anything in the world. Yeah. You have to get used to that. Yeah, you could scratch in it, and then people will be like, yo, why are you scratching? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, why are you opposite. scratching so much? Yeah, <laughs> it's always going to be a critic for everything you do. So it's, I'm used to that now. Have uh has making those videos like led to anything else like either getting gigs or someone oh, trying yeah, to like yeah. hire you to do something in the same vein or something? Oh, it's definitely. I mean, it's that's the reason I was able to get such a like nationwide, even worldwide presence. Like a lot of my, I've probably got four or five out of country gigs just based off of me doing those videos because wow, they found me from Africa to to Jordan to to even some people who take trips to like to DR and Colombia. So it's like. It's definitely led to a lot of um, exposure because, and it's funny because I remember about seven years ago, I was trying to get a gig in Atlanta and him being in Atlanta, he didn't know what I, what I could do. So he just asked, like, do you have a video of you DJing? And I was like, I don't. And I remember buying a whole video camera and stuff. And I was like, let me take it to the club. And then I'm thinking it's dark in the club. It's, just, it's not, it's not going to have the same effect. But right. when I figured out this style, it was like, this is the best way for people to see within two minutes. It's showing that I had a technical skill of knowing how to make songs go together and it's showing the diversity of what I play because on purpose, people don't realize it as much, but aside from when I'm doing a whole decade when I do every year back to back, every video I do is on purpose, a whole different style. So I'm never going to do, this is a no limit down South. Now this is an Atlanta video. Now this is um, Florida. It's always, this is no limit and cash money. Now this is a go-go in DC. This is the West coast video. This is all the songs from 95. This is all the songs from last year. I'm making I make them different just to where people can say, okay, wow, each one is so much different and it still makes sense and it's still showing uh, the diversity of knowledge off. So it's definitely led to a lot of gigs from that vein and even stuff like, even even gigs that I've got within the city have come from that too. 
That's dope. Damn. So you, so where have you DJ? You said you got booked in Jordan. Yeah, Jordan. Um, and Ghana. Auckland, the Middle, yeah, Middle, Middle East. I've DJ Ghana. Wow. Um, Nigeria, Colombia, Mexico, Dominican Republic, Paris. Yeah, one guy got in Paris came from those videos too. That's crazy. What uh, was it? Much different? Like, was each place very different from each other? Like the crowds, or were there some similar things? It was where the crowd I had in Jordan was a military American crowd. So oh, okay. A military crowd is this, it's similar to a crowd that you would have in the States where it's like a Vegas or a Miami where everybody's from right. somewhere different. Or even the HBCU crowd where everybody's coming from somewhere different because military, of course, they're from every city. So yeah. it was where I was able to, all right, let me go to New Orleans real quick. And now let me go to Chicago. Uh, in Nigeria, the ironic part is that Afrobeats is, is huge, it's taken over, but they hired me out there for a crowd that grew up on hip-hop and R&B, and it's kind of this, a similar par parallel to in America, how once you hit 35, 40, you might not like that much trap music, if any at all. You might like a couple songs. Right. Out there, it's similar. I realize a lot of people who are 40 and up who grew up on hip-hop, R&B, they love that, but they don't really love the the modern Afrobeats. That's like the kids' music because it's really wow. it's kind of a modern, a, a recent art form. Like Afrobeats with no plural s is like Fela Kuti. Yeah, that's from seventies. That's like the almost has a slight Brazilian type feel to it. Yeah. But like the modern Afrobeats with the s plural, they call it Afro pop over there. And that's right. like the Wizkid, Devito, and those types. And like so, as more of a the, the recent sound so all, all that to say they hired me to play nothing but american music oh, they, ain't hired, they ain't hired me to play there so which, which makes sense because there's no point yeah. in hiring somebody from a different country to play what they already have so right so, so basically i was playing so the thing about them it, it was crazy to me what, what what i realized about nigeria is they're tasting r&b and hip-hop mirrors london and even new york way more than la because wow. a lot of people from a lot of nigerians do end up going to college, whether it's at Howard, whether it's NYU, whether it's, um, we had a couple of FAMU, but a lot of them go to London too. And it made sense because a lot of them who go there, they kind of picked up the American style. But if you know how, of course, hip hop and R&B in New York is different from LA, especially in the nineties and early two thousands. So, yeah, so different. A lot of songs that they would request out there and respond to are way different. So songs that we know of like a Samuel, so you like what you see, a Timbaland, here we, uh, here we go a um gina thompson the things you do horace brown one for the money even like the bobby brown getaway went harder than like every little step i take and then wow like, that's that's crazy to think yeah about. so a lot of songs out there that are uh, super american work and then that whole london sound they love that so the songs that might sound almost more revlon commercially to us like yeah. the lisa stanfield been around the world or like a ghetto heaven type song they love those type songs out there Oh, wow. That's crazy. How did you, did someone have to put you up on that before you got there? Or did you kind of like see it or did you just learn by well, reading the crowd? It was basically the, uh, so the promoter who hired me told me that cause he, oh. he loved the videos and he told me, all right, make a mix video. And the first mix video I made, which was kind of a usual new Jack swing R and B. He was like, all right, can you do a different one with these types of songs instead? And I was like, okay, whatever. And then he gave me a whole list of songs and usually as a DJ, we hate getting a, a list of songs. It's just like, let us do what we do. Right. But I was like, let me be open. I'm going to a different country. It's like yeah. the same way if people always come to LA all the time from New York, Atlanta, wherever, and they say, all right, where my West Coast at? California, love, 
Hold yeah. up. What? It's like California Love, next episode, we love those, but we'll get way more hyped to Eastsiders and to Wrong Idea and to yeah. DJ Quick and Sugar Free. So I said, let me take that same logic and go to Nigeria the same way. Like, I'm not going to go out there thinking that because I'm in America and we made the music that I know what they want to hear. So he gave me a whole list of 300 songs. And I was like, some of these songs are dope. I hadn't even heard of them before. And some songs, I'm like, I know these songs, but I ain't think that anybody still wants to hear them. So he gave me that. And then I always like going to a club wherever I go, whether it's in Memphis, whether it's in Nigeria, whether it's in South Africa. Before I have a gig, let me go to at least two clubs before I do it just to hear what they respond to and see. And of course, a lot of songs are the same exact songs that we like that we like and love and play. But it's always songs where I'm like, I ain't know what y'all even like. I one song I remember hearing in Ghana the first night I went there, Buster Rhymes, the party's going on over here. I think it's called. And um, yeah. of course, over here you always hear "Put Your Hands Where My Eyes Can See." Right. But you're playing that song. I was like, I actually used to like that song more than "Put Your Hands Where My Eyes Can See," but I never heard it in a club in America. And I was like, let me start playing that in America. And I started playing it here, and people are like, I remember that song. So. It's where it's crazy how each state and country has their own songs that that actually work better than what we, we're familiar with. Right. And how like all of our experiences <clears throat> will like affect our DJ sets. Like same thing. I don't yeah. like I'll be hit. I'll do an event or a club or whatever. Or you hear someone else play a song and then you're like, oh, shit, I didn't realize, you know, I'm going to incorporate yeah. that in my set now or have that in my library. Yeah. And same, like I'll go through a list. I'm like, oh, this is so annoying. And then by the end, I'm like, damn, I just learned a lot. I forgot about this song. or I didn't know about this. Yeah. Or People reacted differently than I thought. That's how it is. It's crazy because it's like it's it just shows you how DJing is. It's where we kind of get we kind of trap ourselves just knowing these same exact songs from each area are going to hit. Yeah. If I'm doing New Jack Swing, Poison, It Takes Two is the same era. Remember the time. If I'm doing hip hop, it's going to be, you can get with this, you can get with that. It's going to be, you know, scenario. But it's like you go to different places and realize it's other songs that will get a better reaction. Because even, even Remember the Time, like Remember the Time is like one of the biggest, that's the biggest Michael Jackson, New Jack Swing song, but they reacted yeah. better out there to uh, Can't Let Her Get Away. And I was oh, wow. like, that's an album cut, but I like yeah. I like that one almost just as much. But they got right. hyped to it. That's dope. Yeah, that's real but, dope. Um, well, speaking of DJ videos, um, you you know, like we were saying, you're one of the first people to be doing videos, like putting it on YouTube. And I mean, you were up on that before the whole lockdown, quarantine, yeah. coronavirus. <laughs> uh, you know, birth of the IG DJ thing um, on that. But then as as far as that, I feel like you were one of the first and also most consistent DJs on Instagram Live, um, you know, along with like D-Nice, MOS, and like some other people that yeah. were like on there real early and just like going hard. I would see you on there like all the time and doing like super long sets. Um, and then now... Um, you know, we've been all moving over to Twitch as a DJ culture because all oh, the restrictions yeah. getting put on IG and stuff. Um, yeah. What do you like? Is there pros and cons to either? Do you like one more than the other? It's um, so it's a huge difference. So I was very hesitant to move over to um Twitch because of the audience and the audience is always the biggest thing. It's hard to get folks to move to a whole new platform. Yeah. Instagram is just the biggest social media platform period. People right. on there all day. They just hop on. So they see, Oh, he's live. Let's, let me go look at it. So it's like, 
the, the main thing, especially for me, is because I did have a pretty good size audience. Not the nice size, but just in relation to most DJs, I would say I had a pretty good size audience. Yeah, you have a consistent, cool. like even on your IG, you'd always have a few hundred people, right? Or a couple hundred people. Yeah, yeah, uh, and but, then yeah. you yeah. moved over to Twitch and it seemed like they all came with you. Yeah, for the, for the most part, so yeah, it was where I, I was just hesitant because I didn't want to lose the, uh, the following I had. And right. everybody kept telling me to go to Twitch. And my whole thing was, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. Um, I had kind of figured out a little hack to get through the copyright things. It's by changing the pitch up, playing songs a little bit quicker, and just talking on the mic a little bit more. And for the most part, I would only get flagged once every week or two. Oh, wow. Starting off, starting off it was good. And then maybe Memorial Day weekend, I remember thinking even before that weekend came, I said, should I just stay on Instagram because that's a big holiday weekend and just do everything on there? I said, of course, I shouldn't change it last minute. That wouldn't make sense. And then that weekend is when they started to really crack down. I remember that Friday, I think D-Nice got flagged. And to me, I said, if D-Nice got flagged, he had Mark Zuckerberg in his chat. That means right. it's, really, it's really changing up. And they had the article coming out saying that they didn't want DJs using it because of – how did they phrase it? They want us to use it, but – they just don't want us to use the copyrighted music and they have a library of approved music, whatever yeah. they said. So. I went, I checked out the library. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. It's, it's, it's so funny. There's all these sound effects and like yeah. crazy songs. And it's, it's trash, trash. So it's trash. So I saw someone did a DJ set with it. Don Will, <laughs> Don Will, shout out to yeah, Don, Don Will. Will. The whole set. <laughs> and Gene Gray. So yeah. dope. That was, that was amazing. Yeah. So basically that Friday I was on, I was on Instagram live that Friday uh, Memorial Day, everything was cool, no issues. Then that Saturday, I remember, um, I already had a Twitch account, but I didn't even have like, I would have just named it DJ Artistic. I wouldn't have had Artistic 310. I was on there just to check out um, my boy uh, Trazy in DC. So that's oh, the only okay. reason I even had an account. So I remember that Saturday, I hyped it up. I had maybe 200 people in the in the um, IG Live. After an hour or so, I remember it cut off from one song from the baby, and I was like, ah, it, it flagged me saying copyright. And everybody had been telling me that, that you might get uh, banned for an hour or two because uh, they started banning people from, from the live. So I said, all right, well, let me just so sign right back on. I signed back on. And I'm just talking, telling my crowd, you know, I might have to move over to Twitch soon just because Instagram's cracking down. Two minutes later, it flagged me again. I said, you oh, know wow. what? I'm not going back. Let me just, at this moment, there's going to be a 15-minute break. I'm not even going to let them ban me or whatever. Let me just set up Twitch real quick. And, and let me just go back to Instagram to make a post. Let me go on Twitter. Let me do this. Since everybody's already in the mood for me to be on live, let me get everybody to move at this one time. And I, I think I retained at least 160 people came over to Twitch just from that one night. And then from there, I said, okay, it's way more consistent. There's no restarts. Then the next day, it was pretty good. And that was just like the basic stuff. The more and more I use Twitch, it's way, way better in every way except for socially. And socially is a big part of it. And it's right. where... That's still going to be an issue that can't be fixed anytime soon because people don't want to admit it. But a lot of the appeal for certain DJs was because of the celebrities in, in their chat. And even right. for me, I would have certain celebrities come on. You, you can make them, uh, you know, you can go live with them. You can talk to them, interview them, whatever else, play their music. And without having that capability, it takes away. But the fact that Instagram is, it's, you know, if, if that's Diddy with the check mark, that's, that's Diddy. If, if you see whoever it is, you know, that's them. And Twitch. Somebody right now can just create a name saying it's Diddy. You don't know if it's them or not. Right. And overall, it's not going to have the same appeal for the big name DJs because they can't, it's just not going to have the same carryover. So it's like, that's the, that's the minus. Like you don't really have a picture next to whoever's in the chat. You can't yeah. see pictures until you click on each, each, each person's face or name. 
they have to have their own profile and it's not connected to Instagram. So it's, it's a little bit less personal in that way. It's like even people who I know, I didn't know it was them until they told me because they, they couldn't get their Instagram name. So they have a different name on Twitch. I'm like, oh, it's you. I didn't know that. So right. that's the downside is the social side. But when it comes to the ability to use OBS, I guess you can use OBS in Instagram, but it's just not the same effect. But being able to connect OBS um, to Twitch and everything you can do with an OBS makes it such a huge advantage playing videos. You can play, you can be creative and play commercial ads, whatever you want to play in there. And Twitch sounds a lot better. It's more consistent on your cell phone. You can put it in the background so you can still use your cell phone. Right. Do other stuff because Instagram, you, once you close Instagram, you can't hear it. Also, you can broadcast it to the TV a lot better. Yeah. Uh, Instagram is harder to, to broadcast to the TV. So Twitch is definitely a much better move for DJs, but it's just the fact that it's not as, as socially friendly. So it's going to have that, that disadvantage. But overall, it is the best thing. I haven't used Mixcloud for that. I've used Mixcloud for mixes, of course. Right, but Mixcloud now. I guess you do OBS with Mixcloud now, too. That's how you use their live stream. I watched like a little tutorial on it. It looks pretty cool. It's similar to uh, Twitch in the sense that's how you broadcast to it. But, um, you know, it's kind of weird that you don't watch the Mixcloud mixes in the app. Like you go on the website. So... Oh really? Uh, yeah, I think so, unless I was doing it wrong. But yeah. it, it's it's definitely a little bit more confusing and like convoluted. But I'm rooting for them. I hope it goes good, you know, for Mixcloud because yeah. that's the one place we're gonna all be able to do it legally. Yeah, um, I feel like Twitch in their terms of services, we're not yeah. supposed to be using it for DJing, and I feel like. Yeah. I, I hate to jinx it, but you know how the record companies are—they find out, oh, y'all are on Twitch now. All right, right. You know, that's all or if someone gets big enough, like if a D nice moment, yeah, D nice goes there and gets big. Yeah, that's yeah, and like if be, someone becomes big and they're, they're getting all these subscribers and getting money, then they're gonna shut it down. You know, it's all about money. And I mean, yeah, I, I really can't speak for Instagram. I feel like on one hand, it's not their fault. The labels are all the way making them shut us down, but they could have and should have figured out a way to. I mean, because even yeah. DJs have talked about it. I wouldn't mind paying a certain amount of money if it's not too much just to play. I know. If I have to play, pay $10 a set, 20 bucks a set just to play legally if that money goes directly to. Right. I wish I could say the artist, but of course that means the labels. But yeah, I mean, I feel like, yeah, like I understand to an extent that they're used to getting paid off of it, off streams, but they're too stupid to realize that they get paid because people are streaming their music more and um one thing i'm not gonna say the label's name or the artist but one thing i've told people is that one label actually did come to me they saw the numbers i had from my first ig stream and said all right can you play this established artist's music on your ig live i was like all right they offered to pay me money and everything so i played it and i guess it's probably because i played the whole song usually i was playing songs quick even before i ever got flagged but i played the whole song i didn't want to talk over it i said let me play the whole song let it ride that's the first time I got flagged for a song the label actually asked me to play. That's crazy. So I went back to the label and said, all right, so what's, what's good? Like, you know, like I got flagged and they said, all right, well, uh, we'll, we'll change it. We'll put you on a white list. And people don't believe that there's a white list. I'm like, it's a white list. It is. A couple of DJs I know are on there. Right. So but, it pro- like, yeah. but did they give you any more info about it? Like it's a white list for their music, not they for you that to one play song any specifically. music. Right. That made it even crazier. That means Instagram is, or whoever it is, is involved enough to whitelist you for one song and not just the whole label. Because 
I mean, if you think about it, technically, Instagram, even if they verify an artist, they have to still have approval for or give that artist approval to play their own music. So even yeah. if you're talking about Taylor Swift, like Taylor Swift might be verified, but if they, they don't have a word from Taylor Swift's label to where she could play her own music in her own story or her own page, they would take hers off. Yeah. So it's like, that's what makes it tricky right now. That is super tricky. Do yeah. you see it like once we get back into the clubs and bars and all that, do you see yourself still doing live streams and it being like a viable potential, like another gig to make money off? You know, like if you don't want to go do some bar that sucks, we only get a little <laughs> bit of money or like, I don't know, like, or is it just kind of during the times? It's, it's hard to say. I feel like I know. overall it's slowly starting to have a drop off for most DJs. Right. But at the same time, I realized that my main crowd who's on there, I have like probably 50 or 60 people who are there every night, almost the whole eight hours. And they, after eight hours, they're like, well, uh, can, you give, can you give us one more hour? And I'm like, they're, they're like that dedicated. They have their own nickname. They call themselves the Toxins. And it's, it's like a whole culture that's been created. And most of them are the, the types that don't go to the club that much. So I realized right. that it's still an appeal for people who don't really want to go to the club because especially whether you're over 30, whether you just don't like the scene or if you're in a small town, because most of them are in LA, but some of them are in Dallas. Some of them are overseas even. And it's like, I do think it's going to be a whole new, a whole new avenue. Like, cause each DJ has their own culture. I'm always on Frangins and Dre Sinatra's and Bad's and, and everybody else's. And it's where basically you have your own subculture. PJ Butter has his own subculture with, with jokes and everything. And I feel like even when clubs reopen, some folks are going to be back at the club, but overall, a lot of folks don't want to be at the club every every single weekend. So if right. I can even do it once or twice a week, like especially with West Side Wednesdays, if I can keep that going, I want that to become like an actual show that people look forward to that's almost like a, a rap city for the West Coast. So at yeah. least that one. Weekends are going to be hard. I might be out of town every other weekend again. And, right, right. But at the same time, you can cheat it and you can broadcast late on OBS. You can record right. it and broadcast. It's kind of cheating the live the live format, but you could. Right. But but yeah, I mean, it's cool. I think that, like you said, it's opened a, a door that we didn't know existed. And maybe the people at home didn't even know existed that there's people that want to party and hang with each other and have the social experience, but they're either not in the right place or they're older or whatever, but yeah. they don't want to be in the club, you know? And yeah. I feel like that sometimes. I, that's why I've had fun on these streams. Like, yo, this is I great. Too. I mean... It's to me, it's, it's been like, it's, it's been refreshing because yeah. every DJ feels different about it. I understand some of my friends have told me it's hard for them to get energy because they feed off of people's energy in the crowd. Yeah. I totally get it, but it's like, I told them you have to reshift and for one, you, like you have to enjoy what you're playing a yeah. lot more. And it's then more important. Yeah. it's based on you seeing those comments because you can tell if people are enjoying it or not. And then people repost videos. People have posted videos like in their house dancing to it, and I'm like, oh, they are, they actually are like partying to it, and it's where like it's opened up the it's opened up our playlist so much because for me to be going eight hours like Memorial Day, I did I think how many hours did I do? I counted like 32 hours that weekend. Whatever I did, <laughs> wow. I only played five songs twice. That's crazy. Within 32 hours, I only repeated five songs. And I didn't play Back That Ass Up. I didn't play Swag Surf. I didn't play right. Fino. I didn't play Nugget If You Buck. I, I didn't play songs that usually I play every that, week. Yeah, you would play in the club every night if you DJ yeah. every night that week. So yeah, that, yeah. So crazy. it's like I was able to play so much deeper stuff. 
I'll go like, every night for the last three hours. I have like a bonus round. I call it Toxic Hour slash Midnight Love. It's all <laughs> slow jams, all R and B that I have so much R and B on my on my uh, laptop. I've had fifteen years and just never had a chance to play it because right. when can you play Drew Hill Beauty at a club? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not a wedding. It's like it just doesn't even fit. But when people are in their bed or even at their house on the couch, even couples, it's couples who just tune in and listen yeah. listen with each other, and it's like. You could play so much more music and i was getting burnt out the last three months before the pandemic hit because i had for the first time like three back-to-back residencies monday tuesday wednesday plus everything else that comes up on the weekend and on those monday tuesday wednesdays is where i can variate it and play different stuff but it's where i still have a, a similar crowd similar format every night but now it's like let me go this direction for this long and it just yeah. opened up the whole playlist Right. And then, I mean, I saw one of your videos was almost like 15 hours long, like just one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it's where sometimes I, I get in that mood and now like, they all made fun of me because I was like, look, I'm hungry. I don't have nothing to eat, but some, some, some turkey meat. I went in the refrigerator and I was eating turkey slice, <laughs> turkey slices from sandwich meat. And they all, they still make fun of me now for that. They say that that should be my new emote on, on Twitch. Like it, it's like a, a inside joke for everybody on there now, whenever I'm, gone for five hours just like everybody pitch in so he ain't gotta get no more turkey meat oh my god i do the same shit i'll reach in like whatever from my son's like snacks i'm like eating string cheese like (laughs) random little kid food lunchables (laughs) you need it because after six seven hours straight it's like you you end up starving but i know folks they they offer to send me food and everything so that's amazing that that it's dope to be to see that kind of support um, yeah. And that you could build that kind of community as a DJ of people that are going to support you online. You know what I mean? And even like monetarily or just whatever, just as your support for the future, if, you know, like if you put stuff yeah. out or whatever. I see a lot of people selling merch too, which seems like a cool way to do it, you know? Yeah. yeah. A lot it's, of folks have, and I feel like it. it's a separation happening too because it's where, like, not to talk down on any other DJ who who's crowds were based more on other things but it's like it shows if you have a genuine crowd or not because i feel like there are some djs who their audience was based on the party they did so if they're not doing a party with this type of clientele or at this type of venue or this type of energy they don't really care about them as a dj it's more so i like their events i like their i like what they're i like who comes to their events but if they go to their instagram and it's not the same type of feel is or their twitch and it's not the same feel they don't really support them the same way so it's like I'm happy that I was able to actually build true like fans, and I don't like calling them fans because that sounds like an insult. <laughs> right, right. Supporters, like actual supporters, because it's not yeah. just people following blindly. Like they're actually supporting what I do. No, these are like true you know supporters and like a crowd and like you said i go in dre sinatra's friends and yeah. everybody yeah, and they, culture it's crazy trip scene yeah. everybody's building their own little culture and and funny nicknames for things and and yeah. whatever you know yeah um it's, it's so. happening that way so it's it's definitely it's definitely been something that that's like the the benefit or the the positive thing of the pandemic happening i would say yeah that's dope and then, yeah, we'll see. You know, I've seen some people getting private gigs off of it, yeah. getting Zoom parties or whatever. So maybe it'll lead to ways where we could still DJ, make money from our house and not always have yeah. to go somewhere. Mix yeah. it all together. Sorry. Um, yeah, I had a couple of corporate events, too. I've had, I had BET. Uh, BET had me do their Instagram live for like a lunch, happy, happy hour, whatever they called it, for an hour. So. Oh, that's dope. It's been, it's been a lot of those type things. Um, and even those have slowed down a little bit. I feel like at first it was the biggest thing, like let's do these virtual parties. And I think the labels are realizing there might not be 
the hugest value. But I, I realized too, a lot of these brands don't have this, the, the power that DJs have. So they just want the DJs to bring our crowd and audience to them. Right. Even Twitch. I mean, I'm sure they're happy. Everyone's coming over and bringing more and more people. No yeah. one even, a lot of these music people didn't even know what it was before, you know? Yeah, for sure. I didn't know what it was. I didn't, I mean, I, yeah, me either. I had like heard of it. And like, I thought it was just strictly video games. I didn't know you could do music. All my video it. game friends, like, it's funny when I tell them Twitch, they're like, the, the nerds are like, Twitch for video games? I'm like, yeah. So <laughs> they didn't know about it. You're like, we're taking over. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> taking your band with that. Uh, you were mentioning that you had your residencies. Um, I know you do Mondays at the Dime, right? Yeah. And then what are the other ones? Um, are you going to, what were your other residencies before all this? I was at um, I had Taco Tuesday residency at District 7 downtown. Okay. It used to be called Seven Bar Lounge right there on Grand oh, yeah. 7. Right. And Wednesday was at Station 1640. It was an event, live music event called the Live Playlist. So it was with, with uh Tony Royster Jr., him and his band were playing, and I'll be DJing. Oh, yeah, he's the man. I've done some stuff crazy. with him. We, we, really? went to, we went to Austin together and did a South by Southwest. Oh, wow. Uh, he's crazy. Uh, yeah. He's, yeah, yeah, he's dope. We, we've, we've jammed like a few times. We did some clubs in Hollywood, too. I forgot the name of that club. Uh, mm. I don't know. One of those. I, f I can't remember, but uh, Probably one of those been, ones. Uh, that, Sayers. Was it Sayers Club or something? Nah, he's at Sayers a lot with As Is. Um, I know. As but, is, that's the homie, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he, yeah. That As Is the homie from uh, The Dime and, and everywhere. But yeah, he, I forget what it was. It, no, it was a very like Hollywood kind of club. It was a really weird night, honestly, that oh. that one we did. But the the South by Southwest one we did was dope. He's, he's legendary. Yeah, he is. He is, for real. That's dope. Are you going to be back at those? You think uh, once this is back, or no one? Everything's yeah, definitely open. So I mean, it's yeah. Who knows when stuff is going to reopen? Like I'm, I don't know. I'm the type that I'm personally not in the biggest rush because I know I actually take COVID serious. A lot of folks don't. They're Same. so anxious to get back to it, and I feel like just because you haven't got it, just because your mom hasn't got it yet, doesn't mean it's not out there. And the reason it hasn't got out there is because everything is shut down. I'm like, right. If everything opens right back up, even seeing these protests happening when people don't have masks on, like, I think the second wave is going to be killer. So it's like, yeah. I'm just, I'm more concerned about that. So it's like, as long as I can sustain and hold on until then, like, I shouldn't have to take out loans or default my mortgage. But I mean, I'm just more so about everyone's safety right now, like, than just rushing to. I'm on the, exactly. I'm on the same page. I feel like people are starting to get in a vibe of like, oh, it's done, right? I'm like, I don't know. I see people in Florida like, exactly. all right, we're in phase two going in. I'm like, okay, just tell me what yeah. happens. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel. So, I mean, I'm like, they want to go back to opening up stuff too soon. And even the thing is, I think even when clubs reopen, depending on when they are, it might be limitations and that might still hurt us because if they cut the, the uh, capacity down, like the dime is already what 75 capacity that we stuff 120 130 in yeah if, if they legally come and say okay it has to be under 30 or 40 it's gonna be different so especially with the huge clubs like and plus that's gonna make djing harder too because if if the club is not packed even though people understand why it's not packed it's just not gonna have the same energy right it's like when people walk in and go oh there's not yeah. many people here all right let's go to the next spot it's like, yeah it's going to yeah. be weird. So that's, I'd rather just uh, us wait until it's fully, there's vaccines and that everything is back to normal versus like partial capacity will be horrible for DJs and for clubs and for right people because it's like, it's just not going to have the same energy. I know. Oh man, it's so crazy. This is yeah. this like, 
you know. I don't know what we're living in. <laughs> Me yeah. either. It's nuts. But I guess we'll see each each state doing their thing and we'll just kind of learn from it. But I don't even know how you learn from it because what are the real numbers of anything? You know, like at this point, everything's you all... Tell, you can't tell you know, whose crazy. numbers are doctored, who's underreporting. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so what... Uh, oh, yo, something else I wanted to talk about was I know you um, won a pretty big battle, right? Like uh, McDonald's... Um, yeah. Was it like the big, was that the master of the mix thing or? So I actually auditioned for master of the mix and made first round and some confusion happened with that, but oh, okay. I didn't go past first round of that. But, uh, uh, flavor battle was the, uh, McDonald's That's what it was. 2014 yeah. officially. So right. Yeah. I won that one. And it's crazy. That was like, it's almost ancient history, history to me now. Right. Of course. That was like by far the biggest moment of my career at that point. Still, I mean, might be up there, top two, top three. That's dope. Yeah. What, what do you think? What, what, what? Do you have a number one that's like actual biggest moment of your career, or something that you feel like, wow, I really, when you were doing it, you felt like you had hit a new level. It's. I think the thing about it is that being a DJ, you may agree to is that everything is about what are you doing now. It's I like, know. it's like it, it's 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 double sided. It's like. It's, it's about who are you, what have you done? Then it's about, okay, what are you doing right now at this moment? What have you done recently? So yeah. the longer and longer time goes by, you almost forget about the big stuff you've done in the past because people don't care as much. People not, might not even know what it is. So it's weird. It's like me being on Insecure was one of those things that probably elevated me within a certain, I would say for my own crowd and the crowds that are parallel to that, that elevated me more than anything else. And the thing about it is that Specifically within what I did on there was nothing like DJ related except for being the DJ in the scene, meaning I was not scratching. I was not like I wasn't playing my own song. I was like I was basically serving as a DJ for uh, Il Camille. Shout out to her. And she rapped during a club scene on a TV show. Right. The fact that it's the biggest like TV show for black millennials and it's so visible. And then because everybody already knows that I'm. I'm basically Issa Rae's official DJ. I do all, all of her events anyway. So it was just that moment putting me there in that spotlight that like solidified me of, oh, wow, he really is up there. So right. even though as a DJ, it was nothing DJ related to it. It was like I was on set for 26 hours for five seconds of camera time. But that five seconds was like a huge deal that just kind of made me. It was the type of thing that you look at your phone and it's 60 texts. Oh, my God, I saw you on there and yeah. Twitter blowing up. So it's like it's hard comparing that to Flavor Battle, which was something that I had to actually spend hours and hours on and practicing on. And even with Flavor Battle, the fact that I've gotten so much better as a DJ since then, I don't even like listening to my set from that. I hate watching the video. I hate <laughs> knowing that I could have done this and that instead. But at that moment, it was by far the biggest. It was definitely the biggest step I took at one time. And it was the highest payday at one time because it was $10,000 as a check. So Oh, wow. I would say that was still... The biggest, it, I would say it's still the biggest, but just because of recency, Insecure has been more important to me uh, recently. Yeah, that's dope. I mean, yeah, and the Insecure thing, yeah, maybe at the time it was just five seconds or whatever, or, or you know, easy for you, but I think yeah. you're, you you built, your life led up to that, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, it's like just getting to that point because it's where they even told me, like, at first they're just going to have, like, a fake DJ just do the fake hand motions and then yeah. it was just like why don't we just use artistic and right it, it was crazy because i would have expected it to be like all right you have to look exactly like this we're gonna put 
this type of makeup on you. We we're going to give you a haircut. We're going to give you this shirt. They gave me full creative freedom. Happened to be that one of my friends was already the creative director from the show. She told me because we went to FAMU. She was like, put on a FAMU shirt. And just my boy Jamal cut me up in the trailer. And it was just like, it was that simple. That's great. Yeah. That's so dope. Uh, you got any stuff coming up uh, in the future? Any plans or projects that you're working on? So basically, um, the biggest thing that I'm working on overall right now is I'm actually um, writing a book on DJing. And the thing is, I won't say it's a struggle, but it's just kind of hard to frame it. Like, I want it to be slightly biographical, but right. more so... Um, if, you, if, you, if you know Hill Harper, the uh, actor, he's the actor, yeah. writer, activist. For he has sure, a book yeah. called The Conversation, and his book is basically uh, conversations with different uh, people about just about romance and love and re relationships and things like that. And like the, the overall arc of the book is kind of based on his own life and his own relationships and the main relationship he had with one woman that didn't work out. I want mine to kind of be parallel to that where my own backstory is kind of the overall like each chapter kind of builds based upon that, but it's still focused on other DJs and just, it's not just about me. So, cause I don't think I'm really at the level to where I, I can't say I don't deserve a biography. I'm not going to say it in those terms, but I, I realize it's straight up the average person walking by seeing a book that has my cover that says artistic biography. They're going to be like, who is he? So it's like, to me, it's more so me being the one to bring all these stories together me to give my perspective on it. But basically getting other perspectives from DJs. And I want it to be simple enough to where someone who's not a DJ who doesn't know anything about DJing can still read it and enjoy it because they say, okay, well, I didn't know y'all dealt with that. I didn't know that that's what went into it, but I want DJs to read it and, and basically like to, to not necessarily agree with everything I say, but just to read it and say, wow, like to relate to it. I want them to read yeah. it and say, wow, I didn't know that other DJs dealt with this too. So. That's kind of my, my overall um, angle with it. So that's the biggest project that I have um, that I'm working on. I love it. That's as far great. As, as far as um, DJing, it's hard to say with events because we're in a pandemic, but I do want to be able to create my own, my own event because I realize that so many DJs out there have created events that are bigger than them. And it's where some people hire me for events and it's like they hire me to bring my crowd and audience, but it's like, they're getting the majority of the money depending on how much money is made. So it's like, let me be able to, right. to monetize my own crowd at least. Yeah. I think that's, that that's something that's really, it's always been in the DJ scene, but I think that now yeah. it's, it's with, with the amount of DJs that are out creating your own party is a good way to obviously make money, but to create your brand and what you want to put out in the world, you know, and just create, yeah. like you said, something that can be bigger than you live on longer than you yeah. can be, uh, an entity and a business and, a and, uh, just a whole everything, you know, like, a build your own world the same way you're doing on Twitch. Yeah. That's what it is. Cause I feel like, um, it's basically cutting the middleman out because yeah. it's where promoters, I understand why they want to hire DJs with followings, but it ends up being like, like they're just the ones who book the, the venue if i'm yeah. bringing in more people than you and it's right like they they put so much emphasis on us actually bringing people that it's like and even with certain bars a lot of us have bars and lounge contracts where we get paid based off of the bar and it's right. like that means that we're basically the promoter of it so it's motivation yeah. for us to actually bring everybody in but it's still where we're getting a limited cut uh, a lot of times so 
Yeah. Just figuring out the best angle with that. That's dope. All right. Well, let me know. I'll come once we're out, <laughs> even if it's next I, year. <laughs> I'll hire you for it, of course. Like, I want to create something that is not me DJing the whole time. I want it to still be a showcase for for both sides, for DJs who are established veterans, for those who are big, for those who who were big but aren't as big as they were 10 years ago, but they still have the talent. To yeah. those who are on the rise and coming up, as long as all I care about is if you're dope. I don't care about hiring who's hot. People always ask me who's a hot DJ. I purposely give them DJs who are good, and if they come back saying, "Are they really that big?" They only have two thousand Instagram followers. Right. Say, that means nothing. Like, don't ask me who's high. Ask me who's good. I know. Yeah, same thing. I know. I'm always like these people, this person, this person. You know, and they're like, "Well, yeah. who who knows them?" Yeah, it's very, it's yeah. very. I mean, that's like a lot of industries, and I get it, it's the entertainment industry, but it's like, yes, come on. <laughs> that's the way it is for for we do. So yeah, I understand it partially, but. I, I just advocate for DJs who are good because it was a time where I didn't have any crowd or following. I remember even eight years ago, I didn't start getting my name put on flyers until eight or nine years ago. And I didn't get my face put on flyers till six and seven years ago. I remember wow. when people would do flyers and I would ask them, put my name on it so I can at least post a flyer and feel good about it. And they would say the flyer is already made. Then it got to the point now where they, they asked me, are you open? Uh, yeah, I should be. And 10 seconds later, there's a flyer with my face and name. I'm like, y'all just knew I was open, huh? Y'all were just waiting for me to confirm. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's more dope. about, I do want to support DJs who don't have have um, the platform. And it's, it's difficult because my, my whole thing is who can, who can you trust as a DJ? Because even with the dime, it's a Monday night. So it's like bringing in DJs on a Monday night when it's already not a guaranteed packed house like a Friday night. I don't want to hire somebody who's not, you know, as good or just doesn't know that audience. And then it goes from 30 people to half of them leaving because it's Monday. They, right. They, they hear one song they don't like on a Monday, they might go home. I know. So it's it's sensitive sometimes. But overall, it is just about giving upcoming DJs a chance. Like, I don't feel like a veteran or an OG all the time because I know DJs who've been doing it since I was a kid. But at this point, I guess I am because it's, DJs were 21 years old. They were, what, five years old when I started or seven years old? So... I, I guess I'm an OG to somebody now. I know, dude. I've had I've had DJs on this podcast that like these records behind me are yeah. probably older than them. Like, <laughs> just it's the crazy. crates that they're in are like older than them. <laughs> like, oh god, I'm so old. Yeah, but same thing. Yeah. I know people are like you're OG. I'm like, yo, no. Oh, okay. I guess I am pretty old. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, that's, it, that's how I mean hip hop really is like three generations now. Because yeah. it's where. Everybody who me and you grew up on, they're in their 50s, mid-50s now. And then yeah. we have our generation that's from the 30s and 40s. Then we have the folks who are, who are in the early 20s. And like my whole marking point is if you were born after Tupac, you're young. After Tupac died, I should say. Yes, that is a good marker. That's how I feel too. Yeah. that's so. it's, it's crazy to think about. But I mean, you know, there's a lot of – I feel like the youth uh, – it's a mixed bag. I'm sure there's a lot of stupid people, but there's a lot. I feel like a lot of the like up and coming DJs know what's up with a lot of different kinds of music and have a pretty good like outlook on the way it all should be going. Yeah, for sure. And it's where one thing just like we like we should know better than anybody. But but a lot of folks, I mean, ageism plays a big part, of course. But I know a lot of times people always look at the younger DJs and the biggest thing that a lot of us say we can all be elitist because. They don't know how to use turntables. They don't know controllers. But it's like, I do have to, I have to kind of use both sides of it. I have to understand that turntables and what we use are seen as not archaic at all, but is this where 
It's like a lot of younger folks, they just grew up seeing controllers the same way that we grew up seeing turntables and they just don't even have the motivation because even for us, like we grew up having to play records. We had to have vinyl at one point to DJ, but for them, they didn't even grow up using CDs, let alone vinyl. So I have to no. understand that they don't even have the, even visually, like for us, anything we think of a DJ is an 80s or 90s movie or, or music video where they're using turntables. For them, they grew up not even seeing music videos, and if they did see them, it was probably a controller in the video, or you watch movies and TV shows that are using controllers. So the culture is different. So I have to actually understand that part of it. But at the same time, I'm going to give you more credit and more props if you are using vinyl. Right. And I've been noticing that too. I look at with all the live streams, I'm like, damn, more people yeah. are on controllers than I realized, you know? Yeah, a lot and, more. And that's kind of the accepted thing. I, even with the DJs going back in the world, I've seen some people posting and like they're bringing their controller there. And like, remember, that's, that used to be so, me. it used to be so whack to do that. But now I yeah. guess some, I mean, some of the controllers to me look doper than just the CDJs and the thing, like the ones yeah. with all the buttons on the bottom and the, the one that emulates the whole big CDJ. The FZ, whatever it is, yeah. yeah. Some of them are the same as exact things as CDJs. That looks so. better than it to me, you know, because it has the yeah. S9 almost built in with it. The XQ points, yeah. Yeah, all of it. Yeah, so so. I, I guess it'll move to that. And then, you know, like the last guest I had on, he's like, oh, yeah, first thing I started on was the DJ app on you know, uh, an iPhone. I'm like, damn, yeah. that's crazy to think. On about. iPhone, it's, it's yeah. Cool. I mean, because I mean, even for me, technically, like, I have vinyl. Like, kind of what you said about producing. I first bought a turntable just to scratch some type of the records I produced. And then when I was doing those house parties, I was using Windows Media Player. I wasn't, but I wasn't calling myself a DJ yet. I was just right. artistic who has music. And then I did start using Virtual DJ for like a month or two in college, just because it was like. I could blend songs together and then I got good at that. I said, all right, let me make that step to get turntables. But I'm sure it's, it's DJs who would say you were doing parties. Like if they, if they walked up to me at a house party and saw me doing virtual DJ back in 07, they probably would have been like, you're not a real DJ. But I had that. And then I bought, I actually had vinyl and turntables before I had Serato. So I, I was like, let me use that for a quick second before I even had Serato. So I was playing the same 40 records every night, but it was a weird transition going from virtual DJ to vinyl. But then Serato, I got Serato, and it was like, all right, I can put it together. It's perfect. I know. Yeah, I mean, Serato definitely just changed everything. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, I mean, it's 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 different. I think also there's just shit is so expensive. You know, like a whole CDJ set with the mixers, like six grand probably. I get I get how 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 expensive it is, and I've had debates on Twitter and a lot of DJs in different cities, especially, but even younger ones say like. How can we even learn how to use vinyl? Because my, my whole thing was, I don't mind what you, I don't care what you use. Like, it's, it's not about me yeah. anyway, but I do personally get annoyed at a club where they have a full system with turntables and a mixer, and I have to move a turntable out the way for you to put a controller there. Right. That's just a hassle. And, I, and I've said, I just want DJs to learn how to use vinyl. You don't have to be an amazing scratch uh, technique type DJ, but just know how to drop a song in on vinyl and then... I've said at least own vinyl and needles, but I mean, I got backlash for saying that. I mean, I get it. If you don't own it, I'm not going to hold it against you, but I, I'll just say you have an advantage if you do have all that. That's all yeah. I'll say. I'm, you yeah. don't have to have it, but most of the real, like most of the younger ones who are really motivated and want to be the best they can be, at least learn how to use turntables if they can. If they're in a city that doesn't have it, because that's a big deal too. LA, yeah. New York, Philly, we're very turntable centric. Right. Atlanta, to an extent, Miami to an extent, but there's a lot of cities in the South where 
All you see is CDJs and controllers. You don't see anybody with turntables. I know. So, I get it. But you should know how to do it no matter what. Like you said, like yeah. I don't prefer the CDJs, but I can come in and, and rock on it. Yeah. Or a controller. I've showed up at a controller spot. Too. Yeah. And my friend's thing asked me to DJ and like, oh, this is all we got. I'm like, I don't even know what it that happens. is, but I'm going to figure it out. Within 10 minutes, I'll be on, exactly. you know, scratching, figuring it out. Exactly. I feel like, I almost feel like turntablism is uh, backwards compatible because yeah. if you learn how to use vinyl, you can basically use anything in front of you. So I've, I've been the same way. I've done gigs where... Either I didn't ask or I asked and they, they told me what they had and it was not worth me bringing the whole system in. I'm just like, look, I'm just going to play music. It's not a turntable. It's crowd. Let me just play the songs. And I might hate. I've had, I've used controllers where I didn't even scratch because it's so small. The Jaguar is smaller than a McDonald's uh, Junior, whatever they call it. Um, <laughs> I a, know. Whatever. The, what, the, yeah. I know. Or it's like the lid of a drink. It's just so little. Yeah. Like, how it's like am a, I gonna it's like a Pringles it? top. I'm almost like a Pringles <laughs> top. And I'm like, I can't even... I'm doing two finger like like uh, scratching like so I, uh, I just said I'm just gonna press play and just drop the songs in I'm just gonna talk and drop a song in and if somebody is here and doesn't know me and tries to judge me and he's not a real DJ uh, I don't care what you say you just don't know what goes on behind this but yeah it's like I've had to learn on the fly because overall the crowd doesn't care at all the crowd don't care if no. you scratch half the time if it's just a party crowd they just want to hear the songs they want to hear. Oh, yeah. I've gone to spots where you've heard it, the worst DJ in the world, like songs crashing into each other. And then the crowd just yeah. sort of like is fine. They don't even care some of the times. Like, yeah. What the hell's going on here? Yeah, because I've seen crowds like even crowds who don't DJ can tell a bad DJ. But at the same time, like as long as the DJ is like even mediocre, if he's playing the right songs. Yeah. They don't the care right how song. he drops them in, where he drops them. They don't care if, what the flow is. But if they like the songs. I've I've heard on the on the inverse so many different DJs who I think are super dope, but people would be like I didn't really like him because I didn't like what he was playing, and I'm like, I get it. Like, yeah, they could have been playing Dilla, they could have been playing too much boom bap, whatever, and yeah, it's getting appeal to that crowd. But it's it, it goes all different types of ways. I know. Um, well, I think we're gonna get out of here in a couple minutes, but uh, you got any um like advice for up and coming DJs or just a message to people out there going through all this stuff right now. You want to say anything um, before we get out of here? I would say so to upcoming DJs, I would say learn the craft in and out and focus on what you are actually, um, what you enjoy doing and incorporate what you feel the crowds you encounter will enjoy, but don't try to, pander it too much to the audience and not your own taste because you end up hating it and yeah. not enjoying what you're doing. But at the same time, don't try, don't, don't be so self-absorbed that you're playing what you think the crowd should like, because it's easy to say, well, the crowd is sheeps and they don't like good music. But I've realized a lot of crowds actually are music heads, but in that moment at a club, they just don't care about the real music or the, was musical. Like I've noticed that from live. So it's like in a, at a club at certain parties, the music is more of a backdrop than than an educational tool. It's more so you're just supplying what energy is needed for that moment. So I would say focus on that a lot and don't get caught up all the way in image. Like it's good to have logos and good social media presence and polished websites. But if you really are about being a DJ, care about the music itself and about the craft more than just the image. So I would say that um, as far as to everybody just dealing with 
Um, as far as these times that we're dealing with from, from the racism to the police brutality to systemic you know, injustice, everything that's going on with that, uh, once again, I would just say we definitely need allies from outside the black community um, just to show support. Showing support doesn't mean that you have to abandon your own ideologies about life unless they are counterproductive to what you know is is productive for us meaning it's not about changing all of your views and values if because if, if if you had positive values then you wouldn't have to change them anyway yeah but i feel like it's not about really a lot of times people almost act like they have to go out of their way just to not be just to cater to what blacks want all we're asking for is equality it's not like we're asking for more than anybody else right like it's a million memes that explain it better than what i can say right here but it's just about i just think everyone needs to realize that what we do is not just a, a petty complaint i'm sure that there are some folks just like in, in any community that that use it as an excuse here and there but that's not the majority overall everything that we have has um you know there's actual proof and evidence of what we've complained about so i would like to say that and to everyone who is a supporter we definitely appreciate it it's it's not it's not taken lightly. It's not where most of us feel like everyone is racist because of this net. It's like most of us are not accusing you of being racist unless you've shown signs of it. So it's just about, you know, if you're on our side, we're on your side. It's, it is one race, but we have to realize that we are different. Like, it's not just like about not seeing color. I feel yeah. like it's, it's fine to see color. Just acknowledge that there are differences, but respect the differences. So yeah. I can say that. As far as the pandemic goes, um, I would just say, don't be in a rush to live your life because you can't live your life if you end up sick or getting somebody else close to you sick. So many folks are so anxious to get back on the, you know, on the road or to go to clubs or to have vacation. And you gotta realize that everyone's affected right now. It's not just you. It's not just you who can't go to, to the Maldives for vacation. You're not the only one who's had gigs canceled in different places, especially for DJs, a lot of us. It does feel like we're losing ground because we're not in the club but we're all at the same as that level right now so right. use this time to retool whatever it is whether it's going through your library whether it's just learning about different types of music like for me it's where i've rediscovered music that i didn't get a chance to play as much so it's, it's like i can actually spend time and listen to other djs and see that there's more than just the top 30 songs out there on, that's on the radio or in the club so just figure out whatever it is that you're into and you're passionate about even learn something different. I'm learning piano. If you want to get into producing, I think it's the best time to learn what it is to be a producer or anything on that side of things. And just use this time to your advantage if you have the energy. If you don't have the energy because the COVID um, uh, pandemic is affecting you, that's fine too. Don't feel guilty because you can't spend time learning something new because some of us do have other responsibilities. You might have to spend more time with your kids or with your spouse or your parents, whatever it is that might be a distraction. So don't let that get in the way and don't get discouraged because you haven't picked up anything in the world because you haven't been practicing every day. Just whenever you have the time to it, uh, just do what you can. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. I think you just laid it all out for everything right there. <laughs> that's yeah. the, that's yeah. the truth yeah. though. Exactly. Yeah. Like everybody's going through all this stuff differently. So you yeah. got to deal with it, how you deal with it. But, um, yeah, let's all stick together and come together more than we have before. And um, that's yeah. that's what's up. But, yo, it was great talking to you, learning about all that stuff. Thank you so much for coming on the 20 podcast. Yeah. Really appreciate it. I appreciate it. you for having me. Thank you for the dialogue and for being open about everything. And thank you for supporting 
everything that we do out here and for keeping the community of DJs, you know, informed. So I appreciate yeah. it. Exactly. All right, dope. Yo, DJ Artistic, thank you so much. Great talking to you. Take care, man. I will talk to you soon. And we are out of here. Peace. Out of here. And that was The 20 with DJ Spider.